This episode of the 10A Podcast is sponsored by TOC Public Relations, the only PR, marketing, and strategic communication firm that specializes in working with public safety agencies, associations, and businesses. TOCPR is also the parent company of Law Enforcement Social, which provides social media, PIO, and content creation training for all public safety. Be sure to check them out at TOCPublicRelations.com and LawEnforcement.Social. This episode of the 10A Podcast is dedicated in the loving memory of Police Officer Brian Olaf. End of Watch Saturday, July 16th, 2022. Under Sheriff Larry Corrin, End of Watch Saturday, July 16th, 2022. Lieutenant Fred Beers, End of Watch Saturday, July 16th, 2022. Deputy Sheriff Michael Levison, End of Watch, July 16th, 2022. Police Officer Daniel Vasquez. End of Watch, Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. And Sergeant Christopher James Nelson. End of Watch, Tuesday, July 19th, 2022. The views and opinions expressed on the 108 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 108 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. This week on the 108 podcast, the 14% with the black cops. What's the name of this show? Uncle Tom and Friends, right? 108, he's our master. The regular everyday life doesn't really work. I never really saw any cops that looked like me. Being African-American at your agency, you also have the added bonus of having to be the go-between. I don't like working in the hood. I ain't got time to deal with all the yelling and nonsense because I run my mouth. I knew black people, but I didn't know black people. Because we have the same skin color does not mean I'm not going to hold you accountable. The thing that bothers me the most within the black community is... available to take your call at this time. Please leave a message after the tone. Uh, I just want you to know, episode 40 with uh, Poorly Made came to a screeching halt when you two jabronis were talking about not liking bread on, or breadcrumbs on top of your mac and cheese. You uncultured swine. A of all, B of all. If you don't like that, then do the cheat method that I do. And I, I once made this uh, recipe when I was... Uh, under the influence, we'll say. Just crumble nacho cheese Doritos on top and then bake it. So it's extra cheese on your cheese. Come on. Rookie rookie mistake, guys. Jeez. I've never been more disappointed in my life. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever, wherever you're listening. Welcome to the 10A Podcast, episode 242. We have officially matched last year's episode number. And uh, last year we ended kind of early because I was in the middle of a whole bunch of nonsense and bullshit and life just being in the way. So this year we are going uh, two episodes. Actually, technically, if we really want to be 
extra, really four episodes more because Drunk Cops 3 is going to be three episodes, but we're counting it as one, or Drunk Cops Summer Jam, I should say. But anyway, welcome to the show. We'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the show, but welcome to the show today. Today is a great episode. I'm really excited for it. This is a show, an episode that I've really hyped up. I'm excited for it. This is the exact uh, topic that I wanted to talk about. You know, race has become such a taboo topic. I think it always has been, right? Like, our nation, from its founding to where we are now, race has always just been taboo. And I feel like that's really just a, a, a statement on society and the human race. And it doesn't have to be taboo. Um, I think racism and ignorance comes from just that. Just ignorance and not understanding our fellow human being. You know, I think that in the beginning, right, we're talking centuries and centuries ago when, when slavery became and everything, I think it all came from ignorance and just not enough knowledge. Now, back then, you know, we're talking, honestly, you could go all the way back to the beginning, but when when you enslave people, right, it's because you think that one people is uh, more important or, you know... Um, they outrank in one way or another some hierarchy than another, which is not the case, obviously, because, you know, there's different cultures and everything that just people don't understand. Now we fast forward to 2022, and there are still things about certain cultures that other cultures just do not understand, right? You're going to hear some things today. Uh, on this On the show today, we have four black police officers who are going to give you their perspective on life, the job, and beyond. You're going to hear some things that you're going to go, huh, especially if you're a white police officer like me, you go, huh, I really never thought of it that way, right? But that's how we grow as people and that's how we grow as society. We listen to people that we don't know things about or, you know, cultures or whichever, and we learn about them. Now, that's not saying, you know, we talk about cultural appropriation. That doesn't mean that, you know, what this culture does means you have to do it. No. No, we don't need to do that. We don't need to make it so everybody is the same. I think the best part of the human condition, the human experience, is that we are different. People have different skills, and they have different weaknesses. And with that, we kind of come together, and that's how we get the fabric of society. We all get interwoven together, and suddenly, you have this great society that can really do amazing things. Right. And I, I really hate the whole idea of racism and prejudice or prejudice and things like that. Um, it's an archaic thought process. Right. I am I am flat out going to tell you that certain people and certain cultures do things different ways. And they might be better at doing certain things because they've had experience with these certain things more than, and so on and so forth. Right. If So that being said, like. I really hope everybody's going to go into this episode today with an open mind and, and an eager to learn mind because there's so much information uh, that's coming to you. And I really hope people that are listening to this aren't going, oh, God, this is a conversation about race. It's going to get it's going to get really weird and awkward. And well, no. OK, it's, it's not in this episode. We are going to make jokes about the fact that I am the only white guy in this conversation. It's going to happen a lot. We're going to make jokes about a whole bunch of different things. And you know what? It's perfectly okay, right? I think that's where we need to be. Understanding each other's differences, being able to joke about it in a non-derogatory way, and then we just move on. No one got their feelings hurt, and we moved forward, had an amazing conversation. Let's talk about today's guests. Today's guests, we have 
uh, Dexter Pitts. He is from the Louisville area. Uh, he is someone that I just got to meet and, and uh, recently get to know through Instagram recently. He is a writer. He's, an, he's an, um, a military vet. He's a writer. He's got his own podcast. He's a cop. Been on for about 13 years, I believe he said. Lots of wisdom. Very smart. And uh, he's going to be on the show uh, come along season three. And we're going to talk about his experiences on the job and specifically in the Louisville area over the past several years. Then we have going to Florida. We've got a couple buddies of mine. We got the fuckery. The fuckery I met years ago when I was a baby cop and he was working security at a local nightclub where I worked and he had the gold twist in and he was, you know, this guy with kind of like, uh, kind of glasses that look like mine. Actually, he got his nose pierced and everything. And he would just talk about, Hey man, I'm going to be a cop. I'm going to this school over here. I'm gonna be a cop. I was like, Hey man, that's cool. And, uh, you know, I knew he was a fighter. He's a, he's an MMA fighter. Um, he's got, he's got, you know, the battle of, uh, wounded knee American history. He was the wounded knee. All right, I had to get that dig out there. Um, but no, he's a very good friend of mine. We've been through a lot, a lot. Um, he is always, he's one of my go-to golfing buddies. So whenever you see on Instagram, 10-8 greens and we're playing golf, he's always there. Uh, he had the sick pimp daddy outfit when we played golf last year, almost a year ago now, year year ago, a month, in a month. Just a cool dude, man. He's my buddy. We go way back. Happy that he came on. Actually, if you guys want, I'm not I'm not gonna bend your elbow or what's it called? Twist your arm. That's that's the term. Sorry, it's been a long day. I'm tired. Um, but if you go back to I think it's episode seven, one seven. The the yeah, I had to re-record that episode because my guest said no no no, no that was my that's the uh the Portland episode that doesn't exist. My guest said hey take it down. I'm not comfortable with it being up there. So I put a, together an episode in 24 hours and the fuckery was the guy that I called up and he, uh, he helped me out big time. So anyway, go check out his page. He's, uh, he's like borderline shit posting, but borderline funny memes. He's, he's good. Uh, then speaking of memes, we've got black cop for the longest time. I thought the fuckery and black cop were the same account just with different, different names, but black cop is a, another Florida police officer and he's been in the game for a minute. Also a military vet. He is hilarious. He's got a great page that you're not following. If you're not following it, you're missing out. He's got the best page that you're not following. That's what I was trying to say. So go check out Black Cop. And then this my buddy, my my tried and true friend of the podcast. Literally the reason 108 exists the way it does today. Lamont Quarker, Lieutenant Lamont Quarker from California. He's going to join us. He's going to be late to the episode and he's going to leave early. That's okay because he's a busy man. He's got things going on. Um, Lamont's the reason why 108 exists to this day. His support from the very beginning um, was when I realized that this is something very special. Lamont's been on the show a ton of times. He was on episode two for when we talked about community policing and extreme ownership and, and just his career. Then he was on, I don't remember the episode, but we talked about his buddy Sergio line of duty death. Since losing Jason, I've wanted to go back and listen to that episode and see what I can learn from that episode. Because when we did it, and that was going to be that was that it came out April of 2021, I didn't. I thought I'd never be in that position, and obviously I, I am in that position. So uh, I'd love to go back there and listen to it, but I think it'd be too hard. Um, but anyway, that's an amazing episode. You need to go listen to. And then he was on both uh, parts of the leadership episode. From last August, which was 
it wasn't the last episode last year, but from last August or July, and then uh, the one that we aired a few months ago, Lamont Quarker is an amazing guy, um, one of my favorite people that I've talked to, and when he becomes Chief Lamont Quarker, uh, I will be front row, maybe not, his kids will probably be there and his wife, but I'll be in the audience, I will fly out to Rialto for that, that pinning ceremony, I'm putting it out there right now. All that being said, guys, this is going to be an amazing conversation. It's a very long episode if you take a look at it, but I guarantee you every single minute of that interview, conversation, whatever you want to talk about, is going to be worth your time. No waste of time whatsoever, so you're going to sit back, learn, and uh, and laugh, too. Uh, before we do that, I do have to say a big shout-out to my sponsor, who is Fit Responders. Listen, guys. I just uh, I just did a physical for work. They did a whole physical, blood work, urinalysis, stress test, ultrasound, everything, man. It was, it was an amazing thing. Um, and it was no surprise to me. I'm overweight. I've got some things I need to do. I'm out of shape. And you know what? So glad that there are first responders or former first responders out there that are willing to help people like me get their life back on track. You got to check out my sponsor, Fit Responders. It is a company made up of former first responders who realized that their true calling in life was to help first responders get back in shape and recontrol their life in that way. Um, not to get into my medical history or anything, but I've got some things I need to work on and fit responders is who I'm going to ask to help me get back on track. So go check them out. They're tagged in this post. I tag them uh, every time we, we do these episodes. They've been around for a while. Great people. Go check them out. Fit.responders on Instagram. Go check it out. And also another check, uh, shout out to TOC Public Relations, whose uh, commercials at the beginning of the episode, who I found out existed because of Mr. Lamont Corker. See? It's the circle of life. All right. Anyway, I shouldn't be singing. It's late. Uh, that being said, guys, we're going to go right into the episode today, guys. Thank you so much for checking us out. Again, Black Cops. It's called the 14%. You're going to find out about that in about an hour. So check it out and uh, see you on the other side. What's going on, everybody? We are here, and we're gonna we're gonna see if I can get a, an invite to the cookout after today's episode. We have black cops. We got a couple of my buddies, and uh, this is gonna be fun. It's already the the little chat powwow we just had was a lot of fun. So we'll see what we're gonna do. Let's go ahead and introduce everybody, and then we'll dive right into it. We'll start with my buddy from I don't know where you at Indiana. We'll start with Mr. Dexter Pitts. What's going on, man? Uh, what's up, man? I am I'm in Southern Indiana, but I work in Louisville. Name is Dexter Pitts. I'm author, author of Iron Pitts Memoirs of an American Patriot. Also run a podcast, the Iron Pitts Podcast, man. Been policing for 10 years and also had a one-year stint in the United States Border Patrol down in Arizona. Awesome, man. Welcome to the show. Uh, we've talked a Thanks bunch through me. Instagram. This is gonna be good. I'm gonna I'm looking forward to it. Uh, next we're gonna go down to Florida. We got a couple of guys from Florida. We'll start with two guys that were in the meme wars. If you guys remember that, it lasted about 30 years. Uh, we will start with the fuckery, my buddy. What's going on, man? Wow, you just gonna you just gonna lead in my intro after that. Okay. All right. <laughs> how, how you doing, man? I, um, way less impressive resume. 
law enforcement for about three years now. That's that's about it. I just have the pleasure of being one of the few people that actually knows what 10A looks like behind the lens. <laughs> Blackmail is a wonderful thing, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how we got the invite to the show. And and if anyone remembers back uh, August of last year, Eli, me, and, and our buddy Canine Brock, he went. We went ahead and uh, terrorized the golf course, and uh, it was it was some shenanigans. The first ever uh, whack fuck was with the fuckery and Canine Brock and myself. It was a bad day to be a golf ball. It was, <laughs> and our livers for that matter. All right. <laughs> And then we are going to go to the black cop himself, black cop. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm all right. It's black cop, the one and only. If you don't follow me, go ahead and follow me. Uh, I got about three and a half years total law enforcement, four years Marine Corps. And that's pretty much it. Awesome. Awesome. And then we have a couple guys that we got a, quite a few people. I invited a couple cancellations, a couple people running late doing uh, doing some dirty work on the street. So we're going to start with these guys here and they might join us throughout the evening. So um, let's go ahead. The first thing I want to talk about is obviously they talked about their careers. we got an idea. Um, Dexter's been on for a while, the fuckery and black Hawk been on about three years. So just an idea of where we're at, but those three years are kind of important because that's going to be the really uh, the focus of our conversation for a lot of it, because obviously things are so crazy. Uh, over the past couple of years. But first thing I want to know guys is where'd you grow up? What was, what was, what was your origin story? Where'd you come from? So we'll start with Dexter. All right. Before we do that, we got a, what's the name of this show? Black cops, black cops, is old, AKA uncle Tom and friends, right? <laughs> Cause I already know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. Now not wrong <laughs> not wrong at all he's like apparently uh 10 8 he's our master so he's in charge wait a second <laughs> i gotta rethink this whole whole episode here. <laughs> this is the show see i have black friends <laughs> <laughs> oh is it getting okay. hot in here already <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man. So uh, I was born and uh, born into the military, uh, born in Fort Knox, Kentucky, moved around a bunch all over the country in Germany, came back and my parents settled in Radcliffe, Kentucky around 1996 and pretty much stayed there. until I graduated high school, 2003, joined the army, uh, went to New York with the 10th Mountain Division and then went to Iraq in 2004, got wounded and blown up in 2005, got out of uh, the army after getting retired kind of wandered around trying to figure out my life, went to college and found my way to the police department, man. Been nice. here ever since. What made you choose policing? Man, so I'd never want to be a cop growing up. It was just never a thing for me. And when I got out of the military, I was still wanting to serve in a capacity. And I mean, man, I went to school for occupational therapy, business, but none of it really sparked with me. And it was just like kind of boring going from combat to a cubicle. Mm -hmm. And I just remember sitting on the couch one day, seeing a police department commercial like, man, that looks kind of dope, man. I wouldn't mind doing that. Chasing people, driving fast cars. And yeah, I remember I did a ride along here in Louisville and I was just hooked from that day, man. Mm -hmm. I, that was it for me. Now, did you go military based on your, your fuckery? What you doing, man? I bet it's a pit bull, isn't it, bro? <laughs> <laughs> I know us. <laughs> You go with the military because of your family? 
No, so it was a uh, man. Honestly, I never had any intention of joining the military because I hated being in the military growing up with my dad because we were always moving. You know, so it, for me, it was 9-11 mm-hmm. and it was a perfect combination of 9-11 happening and feeling that urge to go and fight and serve my country. But it was also watching the movie Black Hawk Down that came out shortly after that when I was like, man, I want to go shoot people in the face and fight for my country. So <laughs> Nice. OK, yeah, that's fair. And um, how old were you with 9-11? Not to not to dime you out with your age. Oh but. man, you yeah, bro, you you aging, aging me, dating me. God, man, I think I was seventeen. Okay, I, I can it, cut that part out. I was just wondering. No, no, it's weird because I was speaking at like the University of Louisville a couple months ago, and I was like, man, how were y'all when nine eleven happened? And people were like, I wasn't even born. I was like, gosh, damn, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, am I that old? like you become old quick? Yeah, my niece was oh. in her twenties, and she was born in the year two thousand after no i'm sorry she was born in the year 2001 after 9 11 i'm like it's it's beyond me that people of voting age you know what i mean are yeah it, we've reached the point where it's they only know it because of history books and you know should it's, they see it's on their, TV? yeah it's their pearl harbor pretty much bro like you talk yeah, to that's, about pearl that's harbor, crazy like, putting it that way yeah 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 or like their kennedy assassination or something like that like something nope. big where like you and i will be like hey where were you when when that happened you know just like they were with jfk and stuff like that uh black cop what about you where'd you grow up what you know what was your origin story i grew up in tampa i'm a, I'm a florida boy I grew up in tampa born and raised uh four years marine corps uh driving trucks you know uh went over to japan spent some time over there in korea loved it I would have stayed there if I didn't like my family, but you know, I love my family, so I had to come back home. Um, did a little bit of time over in, in DC area. I was a cop up there for a little over a year. Mm-hmm. Not my not my environment, not my vibe. Don't like it, don't like the people, don't like the politics, don't like the weather. Hated it. Came back home, been a cop down here ever since. Took a little break. I quit for a couple months. Get needed to get my head right. I just mm-hmm. missed it too much. So Came back, been back ever since. It's that Stockholm syndrome, man. It brought you back. It is. I like torture or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you know, you said something about the military, but um, up in up in D.C., were you a city cop or were you Secret Service? Like, what you got going on? No, I was a deputy, but the, the way the North works was very confusing to me because up North, deputies are civil. Mm-hmm. So they don't take calls for service, but the way they kind of sold it to me, you know, they had me thinking I was about to get me a nice little car and go take it home and answer calls. And I wasn't getting the experience I wanted to up there. So that, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I understand that when I, I, you know, I'm from Jersey and I didn't even know we had a sheriff's office where I grew up until I moved down to Florida, saw the sheriff's office and I started Googling it. And I was like, Oh shit, I never had no idea that it was up there. Because it's just it's in the court system or it's civil. And, you know, growing up, I had no idea about any of that. So, yeah, I feel you. Are. They um, do them in like the uh, Marine Corps did with those commercials, didn't they? Yeah, that's exactly what they did. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you do it overtime, you get a car. What they meant was you can you can get a car and drive and go do a detail somewhere. And they drive it back and yeah, leave and drive. Your car. <laughs> yeah, what uh, what made you want to be a cop? You know. I think I saw a police officer or something when I was little because this isn't the first time I got asked this. And I think I just thought it was cool until I saw a movie. And I don't know how old I was. Wasn't in, wasn't even in school when I was real young. I saw a movie where, where some cops got killed. I was like, that is so stupid. Why would you want to be a cop and get killed? I don't want to be a cop anymore. And then I saw a war movie and I was like, man, why would you go to war and get killed? That's stupid. 
And then I don't know, something flipped in high school and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna join the military to be a cop. <laughs> so it just stuck. I have no idea why I thought it was cool. Yeah, run run I think was, exactly. I think it was just deeply embedded in the back of my head that I still wanted to do it. So that's where I'm at now. It's pretty much all I want to do besides, I don't know, maybe start a business or mm-hmm. some sorts. Nice. Were you, uh, what'd you do in the Marine Corps? I was a truck driver, motor T. Okay. So, and then what, what was your upbringing as far as like your parents? What, is, what was up with that? Uh, both of my parents together, been together my whole life, still together right now. I grew up poor though. I grew up very poor. Um, this was back in, back when Tampa, before it was Tampa, back when it was a little country. So I grew up poor. I grew up outside, running around the streets, you know, playing with the kids, playing Foursquare. I don't know if y'all know about Foursquare. Sure. P- playing Foursquare in the streets. So it was good life. It was good, nice and simple. What uh, what did they do for work? Were they military or law enforcement, anything like that? Uh, no, my dad is a mechanic and he's uh, like self-employed mechanic. And my mom, she works at a hospital. Okay. Don't necessarily know what her job is, but she's been working in the hospital <laughs> forever. Summer, so. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yep. All right. And, and what about the fuckery? What, what's your story, man? I know your story, but you tell these guys. Man, I, I grew up south side of Chicago, I, southwest suburb. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it wasn't bad. I didn't. I had a good childhood. I, I like to think I had a good childhood. At least that's what I tell myself at night before I go to bed. Dad, both my dad and mom, both corporate America, never really had any law enforcement like influence except for my grandfather uh he, he's my godmother's mother but he was like grandfather to me he did 32 years of cpd oh wow that's a long time he was right yeah. so he 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 saw a lot he definitely saw a lot i was obviously very little towards the end of his tenure um so i didn't get to see much he ended his career as a, a school resource officer back up in chicago they, they actually called the Guardians up there. It's not the same program like we have down here in Florida, but close to it. Um, that was his easing his way out, so to speak. Other than that, honestly, I, I, I joke with people all the time. They're because I do not talk to because, <laughs> because I've become a cop. They were very surprised. There were definitely some people that were – I never had the intentions of becoming a cop. I thought about it briefly. Uh, I think for like FHP – when I first moved down here, I moved down to Florida for school, actually. Um, I went to school to be a pilot. I don't know how the hell I ended up doing this, but I think it's, it's along those same lines. You kind of just, it's something inside of you. You know what I'm saying? You just, the regular everyday life doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. You can't get stuck in a cubicle. You gotta I always have to be doing something. It felt like the best thing to do. But that, and then, Growing up where I grew up, I was I was in like a little Irish, Italian, Polish neighborhood, man. So My seeing a cop people. that looked like exactly. So <laughs> right, right. So think about it. Looking around, man, it's like I never really saw any cops that looked like me. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of the biggest things. And you looking at it on the south side of Chicago, you you hear about it all the time, but why don't you see any cops that look like me? That's kind of get the gears shifting in your head a little bit. Moving into the was huge. I never saw cops interact with people as well as they did here. And I think that was like my biggest kind of shift change, at least in my head. Like, oh, okay, you know what? I kind of I kind of see where they're going with this. And it was just it was just downhill from there. I I, I made the right connections. I knew a lot of the guys. Um, I worked security for a while down here. I was 
manager at a couple gyms down here before I ended up going to the police academy while I was finishing up school. And it was one of those things where it's like, ooh, okay, well, I'm finishing up and I really don't know what the hell I'm doing afterwards. So money, pension, steady health care, this sounds like not too bad of an idea. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been a whirlwind, it's been a ride. I I I don't know about black cop, but uh I joke about it all the time. We chose an interesting motherfucking time to become a cop. That's for sure. Well, um, yes, y'all yeah, did. Right at the right time. Yes, y'all Right did. at the right time, man. <laughs> I was like, golly. But it, I feel like that makes it, makes the experience better in such a way. It definitely it enriches sense. it in one way or another. Right. Because you it, it puts a different perspective on it. It adds a little level to why you kept doing it. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't speak to black cop. Feel free to chime in, dog. But man, let me say it almost my bad. As a guy that's been doing this a long time, I know we give our a lot of young officers a lot of flack for it, man. They're not the same as those old school guys, but anybody that signs up to do this job at this day and age, considering the current environment, I have so much more respect for you all. You gotta give all know what you're getting to. You 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 really like it's just the fact that people are still doing it. I have the utmost respect, man, because there's a lot more on the line because when I was policing, we put, you know, it was a convenient job for a lot of people and becoming a cop now is not a convenient job. Mm-hmm. You're giving up everything and putting so much more on the line. No, it's a, convenient. There's plenty of vacancies. There's plenty of vacancies. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> we hiring anybody hit my DM. We are hiring. Dang, I need man. them off days. Everybody's hiring, but it seems like a lot of people are not, paying the right amount mm-hmm. and that's yeah. i think that's my problem now too is i don't feel like i get paid enough for the stuff we're dealing with it seems like they're piling more and more and more on top of us because i mean even in like three years the way we started was you know you go do your job which is whatever it was at a time but then they start adding on well here's a bunch of programs you need to address when you when you make an arrest you will address these programs and put people in the programs okay you will take 17 steps before you make an arrest you will de-escalate yeah what is de- mm. you know what i mean what are the steps to de-escalating are you telling us that we are going to you know follow a step-by-step procedural thing or is it just a broad term for y'all to say we violate you know sop that's, that's, that's we- one, of, one of the biggest things one of the instructors while i was going through the academy he told me to go to my city's website and actually look up the job description and requirements for a municipal law enforcement officer at our agency. Mm. That shit was vague as hell. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, it needs, and it needs yeah. to be. And it needs it, to be. Yeah. And I feel like too, not not trying to not trying to get too Malcolm X on it too early, but <laughs> add that on top of it, but then add on top being African American at your agency, you also have the added bonus of having to be the go between the translator and the outreach. Right to kind of bridge that gap that's, sometimes. That, yeah, that's something that I'm going to bring up later about like, you know, you guys almost become like the ambassador between the agency and the community in a lot of different ways and a lot of different scenarios, right? And that's Thanks a out. good uh, that's a good and a bad thing in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that 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 sword is yeah, we can we in some situations we can, you know, bring things down and make people listen and, and, and you know, be good but on the other hand it's like maybe i don't want that attention 
Maybe mm-hmm. I don't need sure. everyone looking at me. Maybe I don't want to feel like, okay, I got this because I'm black and that's it. You know what I mean? I, that that it, it makes you think two things at once and, and that's kind of my issue with it. I like it, you know, it's good, but at the same time, I don't want it to be everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it, I could see it being a problem with like an identity sense too. It's like, Hey, this is not, I didn't sign up to do this, to do this. You know, I signed up to do this job, to do this job, not just to, to, you know, be the go between yeah. not everybody wants to be a representative you know yeah. not just be a hood translator right not just be exactly a hood translator. Yeah. That, and yeah. that, that's what it it boils down to but at the same time you kind of got to look at yourself like all right who the hell is gonna do it if i don't though yeah okay. and i think yeah. when when you work at an agency with that has a decent amount of black people i think that's better because me personally i don't like working the hood I mean, say I, it again, I do brother. not like say it for the people will, in the back. You better put me in say a suburb. Chief, I left. Say it for all command. <laughs> I want to work in Bel Air now. We're going back to Philly. Nice restaurants <laughs> to pick from. So don't uh, don't put me in the hood because I ain't got I ain't got time to deal with all the yelling and the nonsense because I run my mouth and I'm in trouble. So <laughs> when when I started, I was like, man, I was like, yo, put me in the hood, put me in the West End. You know, I want to police where it's most violent. I want to police, you know. And I had an old black cop come up and tell me, man, he had been on for like 30 years. He was like, yo, let me tell you something, young man. Don't police your own people. I was like, why? He was like, you'll find out. And man, and I did not understand that until I started policing in a black neighborhood, man. And it's just like, you know, everybody thinks because we the same color, like, I'm just going to let you roll. Like, you just stabbed your mom in the face, bro. Like, <laughs> hey, that's still not cool. You <laughs> You're putting these slaves on us like a slave catcher. You sell out, mother. Like, you know, it's just, yeah, it's unrealistic expectations, man. And I, I policed in the hood for probably about five years and I was, I was done. Now I work downtown, downtown. And I like working downtown because it is a mix. You have business people, you have people from out of town, people coming downtown to enjoy downtown festivities so it's a different vibe so i guess the the next part with that is like well not not only that but there's a lot of extra responsibility that you don't need on top of all those other things like you know where you can calm things down it could also escalate like you're saying like you you guys could like black cop was saying like he could start being part of the problem if, if things go a certain way and that's way too much extra responsibility than just responding to the call and handling it. Yeah, Cause that's the thing is that people you, you'll hear it all the time. People always say we want people who look like us to police our areas. And I, I understand where they are getting that from. However, but you everybody want that wants until to, it really happens. Right. Yes, everybody want a hood cop until they get a hood cop. Because <laughs> if I grew up in the same neighborhood as you, and I, I grew up in the area that I patrol um, like the same city. So you, I grew up with you. We were raised kind of the same way. You run out of the mouth and we're raised the same way. Don't you think I'm going to run out of the mouth too? You know what I mean? So now we that's that's where the issue comes. They want they want someone that'll give them a hookup. They want someone where they can go, hey man, it's just a little bit of crack. Just let me go. Nah, I'm not letting you go. And that's where the issue comes in because I'm not giving you a hookup. Like I said, dealing with kids especially, they run out of the mouth. What am I going to do? I'm going to run out of the mouth. Obviously, I can be professional about it, but there still is that, you know, it's, it's still in you to to act the way you were raised. No matter how professional you are, you're still going to have that in your heart because you were raised that way. So when I'm dealing face to face with somebody who 
is the same age as me, grew up the same way as I did, looks the same as me. Realistically, as a man, am I going to back down from that? Probably not. We're just going to be running our mouths. Then, you know, hey, pull the body cam. I'm unprofessional now. I rather, I rather personally not deal with it. Well, you know, it's weird for, so when I started working in the black community, I said, I grew up in the military, but my family is from Mississippi. I mean, I come from a family of sharecroppers, yo. And so I only, all thing, only thing I knew all black was when I went to Mississippi to visit my family or I'd go to Milwaukee to visit my family. Yo. But other than that, growing up, I grew up in a, I had a diverse upbringing. So when I got to the black community, you know, I knew black people, but I didn't know black people to that degree. Yo. So I'd be on scenes and something like, you know how it is in the hood, bro. You know how it is. And I'm just like, no, no, no sir, I, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, and people see the skin color and they automatically assume that there's going to be all a lack same. of accountability. Yeah, and that we're all the same. And I tell people, and I am a black conservative. Unfortunately, I'm a Republican right now. I'm not going to get in politics, but I just do it's my point of view and my perspective is different from somebody else's that's black in America, because man, we all have a different upbringing. We all have a different perspective. And that's not to say that somebody else's perspective is wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just their perspective for their life is different than mine. And I'm not going to discredit anybody's perspective, but at the same time, we are in a country of law and order and we have to have law and order. And because we have the same skin color does not mean I'm not going to hold you accountable. I was part of a unit. It was kind of weird. We were dope, but at the same time, we did code enforcement stuff as well. And we get we get dispatched to a complaint in in the hood, and um, this guy's house was tore up. Like he had he converted a um, like a 16 passenger van into a house, like literally with a pitched roof, patio, TV. Fuckery. I think you know who I'm talking about. You go to this man's house. The front of it is like a, a junkyard, but it, it's a single, it's a two bedroom house, you know, in the hood. And we go there and we're like, man, none of this is acceptable. Like he's got garbage all over the sidewalk, everything like that. I'm like, you've got to clean it up. Like I'm there with the code inspector. I explained him everything. He goes, man, come on, man. There, there, no rules in the hood. I'm like, no, there, there very much are. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like you live within the city. The city's got codes. We're here to enforce them because you're in violation and blah, blah, blah. As we're doing this, there's a family, right? Uh, a mom and her, I think, two kids and one was in a stroller. They had to walk off the sidewalk into the street to get around this man's garbage. I'm like, see, I was like, imagine what would happen if that kid got hit by a car right now, because, you know, people drive like crazy down here. They're, they're, they got their stolos and everything. They're going to they're going to hit this kid. I was like, now, if you just moved your shit off the sidewalk, then they'd be able to walk. And, you know, this could be a nice neighborhood. And, and when you talk about the double standard or things like that, like that, that's what that made me think of. It was like, I was like, nah, man, you, like you guys patrol down here, you know, that there's no rules in the hood. I'm like, no, that's not, that's not how this works at all. That's, that's one of the biggest problems in uh, like the black community is accountability. It's, it's like, it has been for a very long time. I feel like it's going to continue to be accountability. We don't hold each other accountable, but we hold everyone else accountable, even if it's a scapegoat we hold them more accountable than we hold ourselves accountable. I, I'm pretty sure y'all have been on a scene and um, y'all have seen a black man laying down in the middle of the road, shot up. I'm pretty sure y'all have seen multiple black men get dropped off at hospitals with bullet holes in them. And what happens when we go and ask what happened? I ain't seen nothing. I ain't no snitch. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing. happens to me. I'm good. 
But but guess who gets blamed somehow? <clears throat> Cops. Because what happens? The girlfriend she calls she calls the mom <laughs> of the boy who got killed who's laying in the middle of the road. <clears throat> now mom shows up with with all her children. Now they want to fight us because for some reason they want to go jump the barricade and the police blockage and everything to go jump on top of the body that we're working on and trying mm-hmm, to save, mm-hmm. you know, and who's the bad guy? We're the bad guy. Somehow this whole situation where this black dude who's laying in the middle of the road, which I've seen too many times, I don't, it, it makes me uncomfortable. It actually makes me really upset that we'll sit there and keep watching black man after black man after black man just laying in the middle of the road. And we don't do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. We just keep letting it happen over and be over stupid shit. It's like, oh, he didn't pay me, you know, an extra five dollars for the, the drugs I sold him, or he slept with my girlfriend, or you know, some small that yeah, these people keep mindset. dying from. Is it really is just mindset, and it's unfortunately it's, it's the crab in a barrel effect. Culture Nobody rock. can rise up without getting torn down because you feel like you are doing better than, or somebody is doing better than. Biggest issue, biggest issue, number one issue. Accountability, yeah, that's up there. Um, but you got to want to see people succeed. That's that's where it starts, man. And that, that starts yeah. genera- generationally. And then we, we usually claim to want to see each other succeed. I mean, when you see it on the internet, you see it on TV, we got to, we got to, Rise up in real life. It doesn't. We say it all the time, but it doesn't. You know, I'll tell you, man. The thing that bothers me the most within the black community is I hear the cries for justice. Like we had a guy here in Louisville that was shot by the police after he shot an officer. And I just remember I was watching the live stream. I was just there at the scene before all this incident happened. I went home early, and I know I learned of this incident. I get on the live stream and I'm watching. You know, and they're like, "Black lives matter. Black lives matter." I've been hearing that for the last few years, yo, but we had two children, black kids that were killed in this city. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody at the scene of a dead black kid yelling black lives matter, say his name or his life matter. Yo, but it, it's a, our priorities are so twisted and that's what drives me crazy. I'm like, we should be tearing down the city to figure out who fired the bullet that killed these kids. But for some odd reason, reason it's acceptable for young black kids to be shot and killed in the hood. But when it's a shooting by a police officer, we raise hell and burn down the city. I'm like, that is backwards. We should be burning down the city to find out who killed this kid. Not this criminal that shot at the cops, you know, but it it, it just it baffles my mind and it hurts my heart because if anybody cares, they're saying that my white uh, my white coworkers, my white uh, fellow officers don't care. And I'm like, these dudes risk life and limb to get here Mm -hmm. to try to save this kid's life. They're here every day in the neighborhood, man. We know these kids, but, and you say these officers don't care. They're the only ones that care about these kids. And then we had that video that surfaced yesterday, the other day. I don't know if y'all saw it. These little black kids in the hood, and they were talking to uh, the ATF agents, bro. And I'm just like, oh, that, yeah, uh, man, that, that went uh, around. That, that, just that was kind of embarrassing. Man, dog, dear black America, this ain't it, you know? And you see that, and it's just like, man, we're raising another victim of, you know, police brutality pretty much. And Man, these kids, like, they don't have a shot at life because somebody is putting this stuff in their minds and setting them up for failure. But when we come along and try to change them, man, now nah, I don't want to be a sellout. It's just like, bro, you're not being a sellout, man. I'm trying to help you and save your life. It's a lack of respect, man. And you know what? It takes a community. And if the community, the th- my thing is for the black community, I tell them, 
If you don't care about your own, what makes you think anybody else is going to care about you? People see how we treat each other. And guess what? We're pretty much co-signing on. You could treat us like that as well. It's the whole, I can cuss my mom out, but you can't type thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a twisted mentality. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a great point. I really liked everything you said. Uh, we're going to stop real quick. We want to welcome uh, Lamont, <laughs> Lieutenant Lamont. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm well, man. I'm very sorry for being late, uh, but that's Murphy's Law, man. That's how it goes. They plan on something weeks out and something comes up last minute. So I do apologize. For nah, man, that's, that's the business, man. You're fine. I totally understand. Um, he sound light skin. Nah. <laughs> 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 I'm late, so you know I'm not. <laughs> oh yeah, you was real late. You real late, bro. <laughs> you went thanks, dark then. You late. <laughs> uh Lamont, everyone knows you. Well, everyone should know you. You've been on the show a bunch of times, but go ahead, introduce yourself, and uh I'll give you the same treatment I gave everybody else here. Absolutely. So yeah, man, uh, Lamont Corker, um, uh, police officer here in beautiful Southern California. Um, been on, this is actually my 19th year. Uh, I've been with the same police department. Uh, I'm a baby Lieutenant. I've been a Lieutenant for less than a year, still kind of learning my role. Uh, as far as that goes, I never really been a guy to enjoy being back at the station. I'm not enjoying it at all. Uh, I miss being a street cop sometimes, but uh, it's just a natural progression of things, and it kind of goes back to what I talked about when I came on uh, the very first time about if you see something that you don't agree with or you feel that things can be done better or different, uh, I can sit around and talk about it or I could be about it. So that started with me getting into law enforcement, getting into law enforcement, seeing certain things like, man, if I was in charge, I would do things a little different. So the only way, only thing to do is just grind, get after it, and do what I can do to make my little corner of the world better and affect those within my sphere of influence. Yeah. And, and for everybody listening, you're listening to the future chief Lamont Parker. I'm just putting <laughs> it out there right now. It's going to happen. Uh, and, and I will fly out to California for that day. I swear. Yeah, um, uh, 19 years. That, right? that intro was the perfect segue for what we were just talking about. So he couldn't have been too late. No, nah, it's, it's like he knew. notes in the back real quick. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and that's kind of why I want to go to the, the next intro question. Lamont, tell us, uh, tell us your upbringing. Tell us where you grew up and things like that. And then we're going to go back to what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know some people have heard this before, but uh, I'm, a, I get, I'm a California boy. Uh, I grew up in, uh, it's now called South Los Angeles. But when I was growing up, it was called South Central Los Angeles. And uh, when I was growing up, I'm, uh, I just hit 40 big 4-0. So when uh, I was living where I was living, it was at the height of the um, crack epidemic that was just ravaging my community. So uh, there was a lot of police in my neighborhood. And some of the uh, police tactics at the time were, were, were very aggressive as far as trying to deal with a lot of the gang violence that comes along with the dope game. It, it is what it is. It, it's, it's all about money with the dope dealers, but they didn't see the unintended consequences, or I should say they saw, they just didn't give a shit about how it was just destroying families in our community. So um, in seeing, in seeing that um, I, I'm not one of the ones who says, you know, I've, I've had all these negative experiences and contacts with police. I, I didn't, even though um, I had been stopped by the police, um, a lot of them treated me with dignity and respect. Um, some did not, 
but I'm not, I, I kind of hear it a lot where some, some people say, oh, you know, I, I couldn't stand the police growing up and this, that, and the other. I, I wasn't that guy. Even uh, when I was stopped and I had one negative interaction with an officer, that never really changed my uh, opinion of law enforcement in, at least in my community, in my community for me. Uh, Cause number one, my dad didn't play that. You know, he taught me uh, respect. You respect the police. Um, he, he, he was the one who taught me from early on something I pass on to folks who I deal with when they either want to come in and, and make a complaint or something, or I, or I have a community meeting, which is my dad says the time to sit there and try to argue with the police, even if you feel he or she is in the wrong, is not on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. You comply, you do what you got to do, and there's mechanisms in, in place to right whatever wrong has been done to you. So, you know, I, I still believe that to that day, and I just basically repeat that and regurgitate that and use that as my own when I'm, t- when I'm talking to people out in the community, like, Hey, even if it's one of my officers, you feel they're, they're in the wrong or whatever the case may be, you know, the side of the road isn't time to argue with them. You come to the station later on and make your complaint. But anyway, but yeah, man, that's, that's kind of my story, dude. Just uh, grew up in not the best of circumstances, but uh, at the same time, I know that there were police in my neighborhood who were trying to do the best they can do with the resources available to them to make the street safe for me to be able to go out and play basketball without catching a straight bullet or be able to walk to the corner store without getting jacked for my Jordans, which happened on many of occasion, but realizing the, some of the stuff that's going on, going back 2020, 21, and up until now, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see some of these officers in some of these low, low income areas who are doing all they can to try and make it better for those who just maybe just can't afford to move out just because they live in a neighborhood like that doesn't mean they're participating in nefarious activities to see them demonized just because they wear a badge and a uniform and it's 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 heartbreaking because again being on the ground ground zero in the late 80s early 90s when i really started having an understanding of what was going on around me um you know it sucked because i could see how some officers can say you know what throw my hands up i'm done you know they were you know they, they don't care anyway so i'm done right so what what about in your experience growing up in that environment and even working now, uh, what do you see? What have you seen? What do you see as far as the community taking responsibility for their own actions, which is basically what Dexter was talking about as we as you came on. So what, what do you see as far as that's concerned? So, you know, back back in I must, thinking you're referring to back when I was growing up. So um, there was a little bit more respect, I think, um, from my age group for a lot of the elders that were in the neighborhood. I, I lived on a, on a block to where you really didn't have to be afraid of the police because you were more afraid of, you know, Mr. and Mr. Jenkins who lives next door, who is, um, has, has a direct line to your parents um, to, if I'm out d- doing dirt or whatever, doing something I know I'm not supposed to do and the neighbors catch me, there's a little bit more respect for the, the, the elders in the neighborhood who, really uh, someone just said it as i as i came on you know it, it takes an entire community um just because so someone wasn't my parent didn't m- mean that if they told me to do something i wasn't going to do it um comparing that to now I, i'm i'm not seeing that um as prevalent anymore in these days people seem to seem to just kind of like remain in their own silos and just mind their business whereas a perfect example would be I think every officer gets that Saturday night party call, right? And you roll out and you ask, hey, have you gone over and talked to your neighbors? Well, you know, I've lived here for 
12 years and I don't even know my neighbor's name. I never even uh, talked to him. I'm just like, how, how can that be? You know, when I, mm. when I was growing up in my neighborhood, I knew everyone who lived three, four, five, six houses down. I know people who lived around the corner. So we were kind of losing that sense of community to where, again, there was again, some people in, in my day and age coming up who they just didn't give a damn. They were going to do what they wanted to do. Uh, Mr. And Mrs. Jenkins be damned. Those are the people that, yeah, law enforcement have to come in and deal with. But it was those of us that were teetering, found ourselves at a crossroads, right, to where I can go one way going into high school and join the junior ROTC program, which I did. Or I can go another way and get involved with the little street gangs and whatnot. However, Mr. and Mrs. Jenkins sees me hanging out with the wrong crowd. They're the ones who are going to tell my dad who's at work, like, hey, FYI, while you're at work today, your son was hanging out with so-and-so-and-so-and-so who lives around the corner, and you know what so-and-so-and-so is involved in. I'm not seeing that as much in these days and age where people are really looking out for each other. Like, we've kind of lost that sense of community. Not in all cases, just in, in some cases. Let me ask you, man. So what do you think, with you been doing this for 19 years, what do you think has caused that divide and that the tearing apart communities where people no longer communicate or you don't touch my kid, you know, don't talk to my kid. You know, I, I think it's because it, it's really hard to put w- one thing on it. I think because with the advances in technology, number one, we have a lot of kids who don't even go out inside and play anymore. They stay inside, they're stuck mm-hmm. on their, they got their faces down on their phones. Um, they're on, they're online. Um, so you really don't have your kids going out and interacting and playing with the neighbor kids like we did when we were coming up. You know, there was, you know, the Nintendo was a big thing for us. And that was most parents back then put a limit on how much time you're going to sit in the house and actually play a video game or something. I I can remember vividly my mom, grandma, dad, hey, y'all need to go outside. And if you're if 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 your kids aren't going out and interacting with with one another, going out and contacting these adults who, who, like I said earlier, can live on a block for 10, 12 years and say, oh, I don't even know who my neighbor is. I've never even talked to them other than hi and bye. You know, it's hard for me to, it's hard for me to say exactly what kind of caused that, that breakdown in, in, in the community, because. So if I can, if I can butt in for one second and I'm Mm -hmm. I'm on the younger end, but personally tiptoeing around the the biggest thing is the lack of accountability on these parents and the lack of respect these kids have for their elders. I'm still young enough to see like that transition still old enough to have been around. I, I was lucky. I had my grandfather, my grandmother, my great grandmother alive while I was alive. That didn't fly with any of them. And you saw that gradual change in parents not wanting their kid to be the one at fault. It's, it's, it comes down to very simply a lack of accountability on the parts of it, it does take a village. It takes a neighborhood. It takes the next door neighbor. It takes Mr. Jenkins, two houses down. It takes the uncles, the aunts. It's just a simple lack of accountability. What's the first thing we hear out of everybody's mouth? My son wouldn't do that. My daughter wouldn't do that. My cousin wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? He fucking did. Y'all made up that videotape. Y'all CGI'd him into that crime. Right, right. <laughs> Y'all, y'all fixed everything. You planted this, you planted that. No, no, no. Your son, daughter, granddaughter, grandson, cousin, uncle, aunt, whatever, is just a really bad fucking criminal. 
Yeah. <laughs> End of the day. Right. Good criminals don't get fucked. We we had a dude when uh when I was brand new at the police department, he uh he he was a very good criminal. I mean, he he would uh his big thing was dodge trucks. He would he would steal a dodge truck and he would just break into shit like by like plowing into the front door of shit. And he got to the point of like he would use those dodge trucks. It was always dodges. <laughs> And he would hook chains to it and he would go and he would rip ATMs out the ground, everything like that. So they got him on multiple search warrants, multiple times and everything like that. He would get out because the justice system blows. But um, they had just arrested the dude, brought him back to the station for processing. And his grandma goes, why is my grandson in custody? And this like, well, he. Let me get you a list. Yeah, he did this, this and this. And she's like, no, he was he was at church this morning. And we're like, no, we have him on camera actually breaking into the 7-Eleven and doing this, this and this. And, it, you know, and I was brand new. I was still a civilian sitting at the front desk and I was watching the detective explain this to her. And the fact that grandma was adamant and like almost to the point of like she was going to catch a charge angry about the way her grandson was you know, or the way the detective was explaining it. That's that lack of accountability. No, absolutely not. Like, we've got you on camera. How'd they get you in 4K? Three counts of aggravated robbery. Three counts of attempted murder. Two counts of capital murder. Illegal possession of guns. Illegal possession of cocaine. Illegal possession of meth. Why are you using meth? I don't use meth. I move meth, nigga. Oh, you move, man. You sure is right, because it says all that in your new song. Why would you say that in your new song? I'm my new hit single, I just killed a nigga and I move drugs. Why the fuck would you name your song, I just killed a nigga and I move drugs? Because I really do that shit, I'm true to the streets. Can you get me off? Not only did you do that, they got your ass on camera. You niggas ain't got me in the fucking camera. This is the clearest video I've ever seen. This is the most HD shit ever. This is 4K! How did they get you in 4K? That ain't me. I don't know how people suspend their reality that much. I just, I, I don't understand it. I really don't. I've tried to make sense of it. You know, I had a buddy that was telling me, you know, we yes, have to you look can. at. Yes, you can. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of hard disassociation. <laughs> it, it's really not. It's really not. It takes a lack of a couple brain cells <laughs> and, a, and an inventive imagination. That's all it takes. You know, and I think one of, like my buddy was telling me, and it's one thing I've always thought about is we have to look at the history with black people in America with the police and the generational trauma that gets passed down, especially my family being from Mississippi. You know, my mom picked cotton growing up in Mississippi. My great grandmother was born in Mississippi, 1920. So, of course, guess what? Automatically, don't trust police. Don't trust white people. And that gets passed down generation to generation. And people are still passing that down, even though that's not true now. But the perception is that's still true, which is unfortunate. And I tell people we're, what we're battling against is, you know, a lot of you know, cultural trauma that's happened over the years. And unfortunately, it's the perfect excuse to do anything you want in life and that, you know, be held accountable for it. And you know, thankfully, my family, we never went down that road. My family was like, nah, you did it. It's on you. Personal mm -hmm. responsibility, homie. Pay up. Yeah, I, I like what you said about the, the cultural <clears throat> trauma kind of going through i mean you're talking about centuries you know oh, of, yeah. of just stuff getting passed down so that's true that's something that i didn't i didn't think about so that's a that's a good way of putting it so it's a convenient excuse it's, but you can't use it for everything right yeah for sure yeah exactly it's not a hall pass it's not a fucking hall pass 
So let me let me ask y'all let me ask y'all a question since we're talking about <clears throat> not trusting white people. Do you feel like at your agency that you are disconnected from white people or that you can't trust your white coworkers? No, not at all, man. If anything, the black people in my department probably feel like you one of them <laughs> because I'm like I'm very staunch conservative and I've like I said, man, we had a racial divide during the protests and riots here, where we there was a all black police officer group that was started. And I was shocked and surprised. I'm like, yo, we're going to put pits in here. I was like, excuse me. Y'all know me. I don't I don't do that whole, you know, down with the struggle thing. I just look at people for who they are and I'm a judge of character. That's it. But I got into the group and I saw some of the messages was. You know, we got to be careful. What we say there's some coons and Uncle Tom's up in here. And I was like, bro, I'm out. I'm out. You know, and I, I saw some of the comments that we don't want to sit at the table. We want the whole table. I'm just like, dog. Now, nah, this is not for me, man. I'm, I'm all good, man. And so I don't have a disconnect with pe- I don't have a disconnect with anybody at my agency. If anything, there's a, a lot of people believe that I hate black people, be, even though I have a black wife and I'm black as hell but it's just weird the people's perception of me is so different and which is kind of why i started my podcast and wrote my book you know i'm like man people just see me and hear the things i say but they don't know where it comes from fuckery what about you with that question i don't feel like there's a disconnect um damn i don't feel like there's a disconnect i don't agree with dexter and some of it and never been one for down for the struggle i've experienced my fair share my biggest question to people who love to pull the racism card, what have you experienced in your life that was a true and evident, like, yeah, yo, dog, that was racist as fuck. So part of, part of my upbringing, again, Irish Polish suburb, South side of Chicago. I grew up not looking around, seeing a whole lot of people like me. I actually dealt with a lot of racist shit growing up. It's kind of formed who I am today because it gave me a very early perspective of, again, it's a people problem, not necessarily an entire race problem. You have to judge people as who they are, not the entirety of just where they come from. There's Sure, there are a group of people. There's some racist-ass people out in the world. There are. How many times will you actually interact with one of them in life? Pulling the race card just because you can has become a very, where's, where's the SpongeBob over-liable meme? That's an issue for me. I'm not saying it, it definitely exists. It's definitely out there. There are circumstances when, yes, that, that was pretty messed up. There are also circumstances where I'm looking at you and I'm like, dog, you need to chill out. This is nowhere near what it what, where, what you think it is or what you're claiming it is to be. I am very happy with my agency and the connections that we have with our community. Either they just really good at fucking hiding it or better yet, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. And if they are racist, and people they're people, not going to tell you. And <laughs> you know what? If you've done a good enough job hiding it from me this far, thus far, Good, because that means your ass is scared to bring it out to the front, to the forefront. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, what, what, as, as a, in 2022, what can, what more can you ask for? I would prefer, you know, keep your shit locked up in a closet. 
Keep your shit locked up in the closet. You can do that. We'll do whatever the hell you want to at home. I know you ain't got the balls to say it to my face or blatantly put it in front of me because you know I project where I carry myself in such a way where you know I'm going to be looking at you like, so we going to talk about that? And I think that's, that's the perception that we need to give off or we need to portray to like the ordinary person. It is very uncomfortable to be racist in 2022 if you are blatantly racist. Amen to that. I'm not saying yeah. you need to be in every white person's face asking them or, you know, sitting here, are you racist? No. As a black person in America, your biggest number one responsibility is, you know what? I shouldn't have to say shit. My presence alone and how I conduct myself should make you very uncomfortable to be comfortable being racist around me. That's that's where the change happens. That's where the change comes in. If it becomes to the point where you cannot bring that to the forefront because you are afraid of the the reaction that it's going to get, I see the progress there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you're making a racist afraid, there you go. Afraid to be open in who you are. Perfect. Because you know what? Eventually that's going to die with you. Mm -hmm. And I want to chip in and say I have had racist encounters in this country my lord knows i've walked past cars and heard people lock their car doors i've had encounters with racists but for me my biggest issue growing up was being picked on by other black people for how dark i was and the whole colorism thing and being made to feel ashamed of my skin color you know that was like the biggest thing for me growing up was man like i hate it i, I, I it's messed up but when growing up i hated being black because black people made me feel as though i was too dark you know, and growing up in Mississippi, I never understood all that till I got older and I started reading and diving into, you know, <clears> books <throat> about, you know, slavery and how, you know, the slaves were divided, light skin, dark skin. And like I'm older now and I'm confident who I am. I really don't care. I joke about it, but it used to be a serious issue for me where it's like, man, dude, like it was hard for me growing up, man. I've had, I remember black kids on the bus wanting to jump me and all they kept talking about was how dark I was and they were going to beat my ass. Like it was, it was a horrifying upbringing, man. But I say that's one of the things in the community we don't talk about. So that's where for me, it's like, man, I don't just back people. to the crab and back to the crab in yeah. the barrel. Because I get I, I bet you any money you got picked on for what you talk white. Yo, Oreo. Oh God, yeah. You so 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 break that down. So I got it on both ends of the spectrum. I was too black for the white kids. I was too white for the black kids. So where do you fit? Where where are you? What do you do? I grew up my younger elementary middle school environment i didn't have a mixed environment i was one of five african-american children my entire middle school experience my first real delve into it so we're gonna dredge up the childhood trauma just a little bit so fourth grade fourth grade was my first experience in a in a caucasian environment right that was first time i went to public school in the white neighborhood that we lived in, the white suburb we were in. I was told as a fourth grader, and unfortunately it, it, is, a, it is a core memory, me trying to make friends. I didn't see that because I was always immersed with a mixed crowd. My parents kept mixed company. They were comfortable with mixed company. I was raised around more of a... Mm, predominantly African-American, but very socially aware white people most of my life. 
So as a fourth grader, imagine sitting in a room and imagine realizing that you're the only one that looks like you in a room saying, okay, this is different because you don't know how to process that yet. Now imagine a fourth grade child telling you we don't like black people as you're trying to make friends. Mm -hmm. That, that was my first week of public school in a Caucasian environment. Mm. I'll stick with you. And it did because, and it, and it takes a while to unpack because as you get older, what you have to understand that that's not them. That's a product of their environment. Mm -hmm. Who taught Mm -hmm. them that? That might not necessarily be what they are. It's what they've been taught or what they've seen so far shit didn't get better from there it wasn't until high school that we actually traditionally had a mixed environment the school district i grew up in was segregated as hell it wasn't even a joke there were four schools in our district the school in the hood 92 percent african-american the township named high school that i am from oak forest high school was 89% 89% Caucasian. Bremen was, uh, I think Bremen was dominantly Hispanic, but that's Midlothian area. Tinley Park. Tinley Park was the melting pot. Tinley Park had the greatest mix of diversity. And for whatever reason, we had like 14% Asian. I don't know where the hell that came from, but it was just, it was there. It was there. I, I, <laughs> they just dropped. It was like, we don't know where to put these fools. So we're just going to put them over here. But that was the biggest mix, but you got a mix of, you got the hood kids, you got the white kids. Now you got the same white kids that I've grown up with. So I know how they act. I know how they roll. And now you put them in an environment where it, it forces you, it was, it was kind of fucked up, but it was kind of dope at the same time. Cause it forced you to grow up a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you have to start noticing the social cues. I, I they don't know what I look like now, but, you know, anybody who follows the fuckery just know the man behind the lens looks a lot better than 10-8. Um, <laughs> That's a given. But That's I didn't always look like that. But I didn't always look like that. I was, I was the pudgy African-American kid with glasses that liked to read books, like be quiet. He was the black 10-8, basically. <laughs> basically, right. I, I, was, I was 10-8 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Um and he still get bullied as an adult. So I know, man, it's, it's a rough life. It's a rough life. <laughs> so, so for me, you learn to be that people watcher that fly on the wall because unfortunately you had to do that. So growing up, it was like, well, damn, I really don't fit anywhere because I finally get immersed into a black environment, so to speak, because now I have my people, right? In quotes, I got, I got my people around me, but I really don't, I really don't know how to, vibe with them right now i know i don't vibe with this click over here but i'm somewhere in the middle right here i don't know exactly where i'm going with it i talk white but i'm still black Mm -hmm. i am good at sports but i'm also good in the classroom you so you got again that crab in the barrel effect what do you do when you're the only black kid in honors AP classes? So your black friends looking at you like, oh, you a fucking nerd. Your white friends looking at you like, oh, so you still hang out with the hood kids. Uh, yeah, we, um, we're good. It creates, it creates that divide, but you see that and you look at it and it, it took 
it took it took some time to see it, but that's that's where that's where uh reading helped, right? Google Google was my best friend. I ain't had friends. So mm-hmm. you start trying to unpack this shit and you're like, wow, you're in that weird happy medium, but you can kind of sit back and watch where the shit rolls downhill. Right. You have a, the products of their environment in every category, so to speak. And now you're sitting here wondering like, okay, so the biggest issue they have is the motherfuckers that can actually reach across and cross the bridge. Why can't I go hang out with, I, again, I, I, don't, I don't speak on my family for a, free, for a few reasons. That's probably the reason my background check took a little, took a little while coming back, but <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I was born and raised. I, I was getting dropped off. West Englewood, Chicago, 59th and Justine. I grew up in my great grandmother's house, more or less. I knew how to interact. I knew how to carry myself in a in a urban environment for our Caucasian listeners in the hood. I knew how to interact because <laughs> I grew up in the suburbs. I knew how to interact with the white kids. The biggest issue they had were the people that could go in between. Why do we have to keep things so separate or so what what we're used to we segregate ourselves almost yeah yeah if you look at That's any department event issue if you look at any department event you can definitely see that segregation you'll see that uh, the black officers sit with the black officers and the white with the white and so on and so forth and then the 14 percent asian officers they're just somewhere in the mix as well. <laughs> <laughs> you um, stay in the corner yeah in yeah, the yeah. Corner somewhere. um Fuckery, I don't mean to cut you off, but I know Lamont's got go another Zoom go meeting he's go got to go to, so I just want to get him his take on it real quick. Uh, Lamont, to go back to Black's question, you know what what is your opinion on on the way your white coworkers and you interact? You know, it, I, man, like I said, I come from a unique. You guys are are, are a lot further east and down south, where I know um, things are different. Being here in Southern California, it's a lot more of a melting pot. However, you know, I, I, I always think of this uh, back when I first promoted to, to sergeant, which was in 2019. And that's when all this turmoil really started happening, right? So I come in and I got a squad of 20, 22 year olds and one guy from Inglewood who's about my age. And there's like this uneasiness, right? In the, in the, in the roll call room where not amongst us, but uneasiness with my black officers who are dealing with it from you know they, they feel they're go, going out like um uh, pitt said they're going out being called you know uncle toms and this and that because of the pro- profession they've uh, chosen and i have my white officers and my hispanic officers just because of the way they look they're automatically being portrayed as racist and and, and all this so me as coming in as a new sergeant how do i how do i try to put an ease to, to some of this best i can and a lot of it, you know, comes through education, Edu- educating my squad, like, hey, realizing that there's a, you know, gave them a whole lesson on Plessy versus Ferguson, which dealt with the whole separate but equal. Explaining to them that, you know, my family's from Atmore, Alabama, which is down not too far from Pensacola, Florida. Realizing that there's, explaining them that there's people who are walking this earth who live through the separate but equal, right? And when 
a black man stepped out of line as far as violating the separate equal sitting at the counter when he wasn't supposed to do wasn't supposed to do it who were the people who came to enforce the laws or the people who look like us sitting in this roll call room being white wearing a uniform it was the police so giving them a little bit of of education and understanding of where this uh, i forgot who said it earlier but they talked about the historical generational um you know po- i don't want to say poison but generational um bias towards police gets passed down them understand maybe at least having a little bit of understanding of where it comes from but when it comes to uh dealing with members of the public when they talk about you know uh, again i apologize i know someone spoke about it but when they talked about you know uh being victims of 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 profiling or racism or this and that asking straight out like what exactly have you what exactly have you experienced when someone comes in and says, you know, your officer only stopped me because I'm black. Um, obviously I'm going to look into that and I'm blessed to work at an agency where we have to wear body worn cameras. We're actually the first in the part in the nation to do it. And I go back and I watch and there's, there's no hint of bias or, or, or racism or anything. It really pisses me off because I, I, and I always call the complaint back, especially when it's like mom or something calling on behalf of their son and have them come down and say, look, dude, when you're, when you make, these types of frivolous complaints you know what you're doing is you're completely taking away the legitimacy of someone who is truly out there being racially profiled because i'm not you know i'm not i'm not naive to the fact that there are racist people in this world and as long as we have to keep plucking police officers from the human race people are going to slip through the cracks so when those people are out there um exercising their authority in a biased way and someone actually is a true victim of that now because all we hear all day long from some people is, well, he only did this or that because I'm black. Yeah, it had nothing to do with you out here doing the dirt that you're doing. You're right. This officer knew that the dude sitting behind the wheel of that 86 Camino with darked out windows was a brother. And that's why he stopped you. So, again, Southern California is a little a little different, um, even though we feel some of the stuff that goes on across the nation, obviously, you know, L.A., um, to my boys in LAPD, you know, I, I feel you guys, they, they deal with um, a, a lot of civil unrest. Uh, the area that I work in, we didn't experience too much of it. So um, it, it wasn't felt as hard in my agency. But I can tell you that uh, with Southern California being the melting pot that it is, man, um, it's it's not as prevalent as far as some of the divides that I kind of hear some other people talking about you know everyone I can I can tell you right now like most people in my department are like in interracial marriages interracial relationships like there's there's a lot of crossing of color lines out here so I, I can't relate too much to that but again because we do deal with people who want to claim this and that because oh do you stop me because I'm black you stop me because I'm Hispanic we we deal with a lot of that and as a as a as a leader not not because I'm a lieutenant or whatever but as a leader in your organization you as an even as an officer you know I feel that we have a duty to try and at least educate our brothers whether it be um, the person sitting left to right in your roll call room with hey this is where some of this comes from and I'm sorry that every time you step out your car to do an enforcement stop. Someone is going to potentially accuse you of being racist, but this is where that comes from. That doesn't mean you need to change the way you're, you're operating. I'm just telling, giving you an understanding of where that comes from. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a big thing, you know, especially not <clears throat> being exposed to that, you know, to like for someone like me who's never experienced that or, you know, anything like that. It's good to have that 
information, you know, because obviously it helps because it's something that's going to come up. It's, it's not like it's never going to come up. It's going to come up. Um, the other thing that I like to what you said about Lamont is about the uh, making illegitimate claims taking away from the legitimate victims. I feel like that happens across the board, but obviously the, the victims of racism, but it kind of went back to like that me too movement, you know, with all the sexual assaults being like, Oh yeah, no, I got, I was raped too. Like, were you, you know, it just kind of comes up with that. So I, I agree. I agree. And I appreciate that. Um, Black Cup, what about you? Have a chance for your own question. How do you feel about your coworkers? Uh, I get along with most of my coworkers. I haven't experienced pretty much any racism, at least on the, the ground level with, um, you know, street level cops. Um, we, we go out there and we work, we work as a team. We work really tight, work really good. And I've been on some very diverse squads with, um, multiple black, multiple white, multiple Asian, multiple Hispanics, multiple female, everything. And we work phenomenally. Um, however, I will say that I have dealt with some sets of supervisors that I feel maybe could have possibly, I don't like to throw out that card, but could have been racist. And, and I, I don't use that term loosely. I grew up in, in central Florida. I grew up in Tampa. So Tampa has always been a melting pot. It's always been extremely diverse. And I, and I grew up, I grew up out here, even in elementary school, everyone got along. Everyone went over to everyone's house. Didn't matter your color. Didn't matter. Male, female, everyone had fun. And that's how I spent most of my childhood growing up in, in Florida was diversity. You know, all my friends are, are mixed groups. Um, so I wouldn't even say I grew up experiencing a lot of racism because I didn't. So when I do experience something like that, I, I, I do tend to have a feeling that might be what it, it is. It stands and out a little bit more. Yes, it definitely stands out. And um, I remember I was the only black person on this one squad. And, you know, that was never an issue to me. I mean, it's only so many black people, you know what I mean? By default, you know, by you'll eventually be the one black person on the squad at one point. Um, and I feel like I was just getting picked on. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's because I'm new. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as good as I thought I was. But I noticed like it was just happening way too frequently. And I remember I kind of let my my partner take the lead on something. And I was like, you know, maybe I'm fucked up. I want to see what happened if if you do it. So I let him take take over everything. And you know, I just wrote it under my name. And they had a problem with it still. And they're like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? Why is this? Why is that? And I'm like you know, do you even think to, to ask anybody? I'm like, yeah, and I did. Well, everyone's saying you didn't. I was like, that's not true because I I constantly ask people because y'all berate me every every single shift. This is demeaning. I, you know, then they start writing me up and I'm getting, I had like eight write-ups and I'm like, all right, I'm about to get fired because, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is too many. So I, I I brought it up to someone, brought up to all my partners and they said, you know, do you think you think they might be, you know, racist? I was like, you know, I'm not gonna throw that out there because maybe I'm just dumb. They're like, I don't know, maybe look into it. So, you know, I brought it up to to one of the um, lieutenants, and he got pretty pissed off because apparently they weren't actually writing me up. They they were like giving me little fake papers to kind of scare me. Mm. And I'm like, okay, so they're picking on me. And then you know, I would listen to them talk, and I would hear them make little remarks and they'll say, yo, you know, back in the day we used to do the whatever immigrant group like Guatemalans or something. 
we used to do the Guatemalan roundup because, you know, fuck them and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, you know, that's real specific that y'all are <laughs> talking about how y'all are going <laughs> to pick on this one specific group. Um, so, you know, I, I just hear comments like that. Nothing about black people, but it's always about some immigrant group. And then, you know, I got well, we got another black person on the squad and they start picking on him. And I was like, all right, this don't. You know, this is too much of. I don't think this is a coincidence. Like mm-hmm. this is, this is, this seems targeted. Um, but they end up, you know, promoting and moving around and stuff, so it kind of stopped. But I, I think that's probably the only time in my place that I've experienced something like that. I mean, if I don't see it on the street, I mean, I'll hear people love working the hood. And I feel like you know, being white and working the hood, at least out here, they feel like the people in the hood get more from the cops than the people that live in the other areas, you know, when, when somebody in the hoods ask a question, they go, you know, why, why are you arresting him? Ma'am, I'm arresting him. And they give, you know, the longest explanation mm-hmm. in the world and they explain everything in detail. They bust they, out the statute book and everything. <laughs> everything. And then they start answering questions that, you know, and, and sometimes it doesn't even come off as like them being a smart ass. It's like, hey, no, I'm, I'm going to teach you this mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. when it happens again, I want to make sure we're on the same page and we know, we don't hate each other. And there is an understanding, yeah. And I feel like the the white cops, at least out here, do a really good job at putting it all out there when they're working in the hood. Because I could tell you right now, when 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 an old white lady comes up to me and she starts yelling at me in a rich neighborhood, I get my car and I leave. So (laughs) you know, it's not the same courtesy. Because so I I feel like at least here, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like at least here, the the black people get treated pretty good. I have no complaints over that. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, so real quick, just to piggyback on while it's fresh. Yep. So this is more of a question towards Dexter and Lamont since they've been here and been in this a lot longer. He, he mentioned the supervisors, not necessarily not, not throwing a race card out there, but just the, the overall prejudice or maybe a different era of policing and some, ideals that may have been passed along beforehand before the whole pc social justice movement do you guys think that there is an old guard still in play because effectively we we talked about it history of law enforcement there was a lot of negativity going on do you guys feel like that kind of I hate to use the term, but that that prejudice policing. Do you think is there and is stuck around because of who's still around? And do you see that changing very quickly based off of it's, it's 2022? A lot of these motherfuckers, a lot of a lot of them gonna be out very quickly and very soon. Cause we see it. There's a lot of stagnant movement in those higher up, you know, admin levels. Do you feel like there's going to be a drastic change very quickly, very soon, just based off of that alone? Absolutely. And I'll tell you this. So when I started in 2009, the department I started on then versus the department I am on now is completely different. I do believe there was an old guard in charge back then. But honestly, they've gotten a lot of those guys out. And not a lot of those guys were actually good dudes. I mean, one of those in my book, man, he was my commander. Uh, my division major, man, he literally saved my life and my career, yo. But man, now we have a diversity and equity 
uh, I forgot what they, what they do, but you know, that we, we got a position for somebody that does that. Everything is now focused on diversity and this and that dude, we're actually getting ready to do a eight hour class on trans was it transformation and racial healing, you know? So dude, it's, it's a complete different game. Man. Uh, I would, I would love to hear about that. Honestly. I'm not really looking forward to it. Cause I feel like in the, today's age, I mean, I had training today. I'm an in-service. We did four hours in a shoot house. And we got up. I, I did about maybe six reps on clearing the building, you know, six reps, bro. And that's that's going to be good for the year. Listen, got listen, eight hours. People, people need it. People yeah. need a dog. On it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. No, yo, so, shifty. <laughs> no, everybody needed, man. I was rusty. I was like, man, I suck. Yo, but, you know, that's I feel like we're everything now. I feel like we're going from one extreme to the other to where it would be things back in the 60s, and 70s, 80s and early 90s was kind of messed up on police departments yo to now we're going all the way to the complete opposite in in end of the spectrum where we're not even looking at the totality of the person we're just hiring them because it's a checkbox you know we don't care about who they are what they've done just hey this person match it check this box let's get them in here honestly i i think that's just the lack of that's just the lack of candidate pool man that could be too that 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 is just the lack of candidate pool i we we kind of joke about it but even even our agency man you looking at it and you're like well, this is this is what we got. It, it looked like they were picking average Joes for dodgeball, man. Like this, we here, <laughs> we here, bro. <laughs> we need somebody. We need somebody. Can you pass a damn test? Can you type well, on you a know, computer? I, I have a conspiracy theory. I say so. After all we went through in 2020, yeah, we've lost a crap ton of officers. Yo, they say we're at like 900. I'm like, bro, we probably below, well below 900 officers. So what they've really not given us much incentive to stay. We got a, a little pay raise the other day, yo. But they're offering eight thousand dollars to new recruits, and they're also mm. offering three thousand to recruits that live out of state to move here. And my yeah, conspiracy theory, yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, oh hey, bro, hey, give me your email. I will put in a good word. Yeah. But I honestly feel like what they're doing is they don't want the older people around like me and a lot of guys I know to stay. So I feel like they don't want us here. I feel like they, they're ready for us to kind of phase us out and to bring in a new crop of newer, younger officers who are more inclined to be a little bit more woke and a little bit more progressive so they can train them to this new standard in this new way and kind of do away with guys like me that are, hate to say old school at coming in in 2009, but man, you know, it, it really is kind of an old school mindset the way I police, you know, it's the, the, the climate of like police has changed very drastically and oh, very, yeah. very quickly. So that's so, but again, so that's one of my things. So imagine how some of these guys feel, you know, that were got started or have been around since 88, 87, 86, 10, eight, I one name and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. over fleet come on mm-hmm. that man that that man was deputized that never went to a police academy he was around before a police academy was Damn. invented in florida yes oh, yeah deputized Damn. and he was a son. <laughs> 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 let me not get fired let me get fired. <laughs> he's retired man you're good what i'm what i'm saying is like that's the people is they're still around yeah, but they're they're, they're still phasing around. out though. They're phasing out. They're phasing out. So, what but do you I, tell people though? I'll tell you what. So, okay, I'm just gonna say by, that. Like, oh, okay, okay, go ahead. No, but that's what I'm saying. So, do we tell the community, "Hey, man, listen, 
just I just need you to hang on like three to five years. <laughs> give us give us a minute. Let's just wait, bro. Let's, look, look, they they old, they falling apart, they in a drop. That retirement looking nice and pretty right about now. Give mm-hmm. us a couple years. You really ain't gonna have nothing to complain about because which who you gonna complain about too? Mm-hmm. My my agency personally, when people try to tell me, you know. This is racist. That's racist. Y'all are racist. Okay. Um, and 10 can back me up on this. Name one white person on uh, admin staff for internal affairs. I'll wait. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'll wait. Right. But that's not what they see. That's not what the public sees. They don't know about if it. You really wanna, if you really want to sit here and think that we're not being held accountable... I promise you, it's there. I know y'all can't see it, and I know y'all don't want to trust me, but how do we best project there is a climate, there, there is a, the storm is passing, if you want to call it a storm. I just need y'all to hang on and just actually look and see what's going on. So look I, I got a question of that, though. At what point do we start talking to closed doors, right? Like when you talk to a community that doesn't like the police, do you keep going? All right, man, just hold on. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Are they really going to care? Like, like you said, no one cares that an agency has a non-white male admin or IA staff. They don't care. They don't care because they don't see it, but they see the results too. So they don't care. So at what point do we go? All right, that doesn't work. Let's focus on what's that hit them with the proof is it's right. And, and if, if I got to be the dumbass standing in the middle of the street, cause I've definitely been there. You, you know, as well as I do, I'll walk, <laughs> I'll walk <laughs> through Swiss, I'll get out the car. That's me, but that's me. First street to second street. You can, yeah. you, can te- you can, you can sit there and you know what I'm saying? You can right. teach the newer guys to do that because it shows it shows to the community like hey i i see what you're saying i get it but i feel like there's a different way to engage the community and be like hey the cops aren't all bad and i just i don't know like maybe and it's definitely not hey let's go pass out snow cones in the hood like that's not gonna make the the kids like us that just doesn't work i mean we saw what, what dexter was talking about with those little kids with the with the asians like they're just so i don't know i'm i'm I don't know. I'm not, how... saying, I'm not saying show up with a lollipop. I'm saying be there. Uh-huh. Be there. Why do we have, and you know exactly where I'm talking about, why is there a fear of walking through there? Right. In our city, why is that the, the avoidable zone? You know what abates a, a, a lot of that bullshit? And it, maybe it's just me because I, I, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to get out. I'm going to talk to people. I'm I'm gonna sit here. I'm standing in the middle of the street. Right. What's up? But that's my personality. That's who I am. I can try to teach some of the guys that are coming up behind me the exact same thing. Because what have they been taught? Avoid this. Avoid that. Don't go there. Don't go here. Mm-hmm. What it, Dexter? I don't want to be in the hood. I feel that. I don't want to be here either. I'd be speeding through this motherfucker. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, but when I'm on shift. And I'm here and I'm in this uniform and I got this badge on my fucking chest. One, these jits think they they legit. 
So the only there there is a show of force. There's called a passive show of force. I can stand here because you think I'm afraid to be here. And that's part of the reason why you got the mouth that you do. Mm-hmm. That opens the door for a conversation. I can't make you come have a conversation, but you know what? Eventually that's going to get back. Yo, that fool will really be sitting here just typing reports, just like he'll just come, come down here and chill. I ain't doing shit. I'm there was a, I, I had a guest on a few weeks ago, probably a month or two now. Uh, he's a, he's a gang officer or he, he's a gang supervisor now, but he, he was a gang guy. And when he was brand new on the street, he would go to the corner store. He would get out of his car. He'd go in the corner store. Right. And he he's, he's white as snow. Go grab a juice, go grab a soda, whatever. And then drink it outside with the dope boys. Like the dope boys are out there working the corner and he's just shooting the shit with them. Well, stood there and made them feel uncomfortable, but eventually starts talking to them. I feel like you're right, fuckery. <laughs> um, I'm confused again. <laughs> that we we do. I think that goes back to almost what Lamont was saying and what Dexter was saying. Like modern day, we don't get out and talk to people, right? The same problem is in the community as a civilian is the same problem that's in the community as a cop. We don't get out oh, and yeah. talk to people. We're afraid of that communication or that potential of confrontation. So we do. We just, we speed through the hood. We don't stop and talk to people because we think that there's going to be some adversarial thing. And there probably will be, especially the first five or six times. But eventually you open up those lines of communication. They're going to go, wait a second. Why is he still here? Like, didn't we make him uncomfortable? And the cop's going to have the exact same thing. And then suddenly it becomes kind of a new norm so i i, I kind of like the way you're going with that you know some of that is um when you say people don't want to get out of the car and talk to talk to people in the hood or whatever the case is some of that may not even be fear some of that is just a lot of people like to play in the hood and they don't they're not here to be mm-hmm, friends with mm-hmm. them they're not here mm-hmm. to 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 be community officers they're here to be protectors, yeah. be saviors, give out law information and take people to jail. And that's it. And I think some of these agencies have divisions specifically set to get involved in the community. And that's where these street officers say, that's not my job. Right. It's how not many, my job to be getting out of my car and talking to you. Right. How many how many memes have we made about community relations? And I mean, it's, uh. it's a funny joke, right? But it's it's the really it's, the, it's factual. It's rooted in facts. Right, right. When we when we act like clowns, we look like clowns. But if you're actually going to sit out there and interact with the community and serve the community, that's a totally different way of going about it. I want to see ten eight memes do the cupid shuffle in the hood. <laughs> you wait it's coming <laughs> no we're going oh, yeah, to gonna invite you to the barbecue just for the dance though. hell yeah man <laughs> wait, wait, when i, I hit, when I I hit 100k question. it's coming it's coming i got a question since we're talking about the barbecue do you, how do y'all like y'all macaroni Oh man, I'm not ready for this conversation after listening <laughs> to that last podcast. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. That's why I brought it up. I gotta... <laughs> for the record, for the record, I said that the people in the South, you know, Dexter from Mississippi and, and Black Cobb and everything, I said that they were going to get mad at me. So have at <laughs> <laughs> do, do y'all eat macaroni on Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. I just had to make sure because, you know, 
That's but I just had to make sure. But it's got to be out of the tinfoil pan, though. Let's yeah, go. it has to be. <laughs> got to be out of tinfoil right, listen, pan. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We 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 didn't we didn't upgrade it a little bit. We got we got glass bottom pots now. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't doing them dishes though. <laughs> yeah, we ain't doing the dishes. Gotta 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 make it look presentable, Dad. Especially <laughs> on Thanksgiving, man. <laughs> That's fair. Now, if you don't now if you don't bake it now if you don't bake it that's that's we got a different pro- set of problems. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, hey, mm-hmm. there, there are times in life where you got to go to the craft mac and cheese. There are times in life. No, no it is. No, it's not. No, sometimes, it's not. not all no, the time. No, man, you know, doctor, sometimes man. you're at home no, no, and you no, want to. No, no. You got to put it in the microwave nah, real quick bro. or. Cook that's a lot of work, man. That's See, a lot that's, of work that's for that's that wrong. That that's, what's wrong. that's what's wrong with you. You've been eating that Agent Orange. That's that's <laughs> that's too much work, man. I ain't doing all that, dude. Now, if somebody else doing the work, I will partake. <laughs> right, right. But you know you can't, what I heard? You, you know can't do that on that. Tuesday you know, night and be like, all right, yeah, no, that's fine. I know you got to prep. I heard Dexter Pitt say that he don't, he don't know how to make baked mac and cheese. I don't. I don't make it. I know I can make a mean pot of greens. Dog. He don't know how to make money. baked mac and cheese. Get him off I, the podcast. I, I, hey, I'm. <laughs> I, I, hey, I don't need to. My wife does it. For revoked. Me. I'm good. Revoked. Black car. Revoked. <laughs> <I mean. laughs> I've watched it a few times. You but probably saute collard greens too, don't you? You put oh, them in. No, you put them in. A, no, bro, no. You saute collard greens, don't you? Nah, well, that, no, 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 no. <laughs> I put them in the pot with the, with the uh, the ham hocks. Oh, that bone. He sneak bro, kale bone. in. Oh yeah. He, he be sneaking kale in the collard Sometimes. greens. Sometimes the most. <laughs> hey man, ain't no wrong with some kale, dog. You got to get all the greens in there, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have multicultural greens. Multicultural. Gotta get some bok choy in there for the fourteen (laughs) percent. All right, guys. Um, (laughs) Now that we're now that we're there, we're gonna get to some food questions. People had some questions about food, but uh, I got. Let me. I bet they did. I bet they did. I bet they did. Right. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's get to some of them. Got one question. Says, "How can white cops support black cops?" That's tough. Back your coworkers up. So you actually know fuck that shit. It ain't tough. Back your coworkers up. See you know shit, what? say shit. That's that's mm-hmm. you you back up everybody else. We're taught to be backups for everybody, right? So if you see some fucked up shit, say some shit. That's the easiest way to do it. I I care less how small or how minuscule it is. That could be as simple as so uh <clears throat> somebody who's unfortunately no longer with us, not that way, but just <laughs> <laughs> We're not allowed to speak on him anymore, but I think the funniest interaction we had. So a buddy of mine, we went to the academy together. We got hired together. Oh, okay. uh, he he no longer works with us, but going to get coffee before shift was our fucking thing because we used to live down the street from each other. So we meet up at the gas station, right? The funniest fucking <laughs> interaction I've ever had on my way into work. Uh, dude pulls up. And some clapped out, I want to say that thing had to be like an 80s, 80s Silverado, bro. And you you could you could smell the long cut chew out, <laughs> dude, out this motherfucker before he even hopped out of the truck. Parked my patrol car, because I'm heading to work. I parked my patrol car maybe a little bit off in the parking space. Mind you, I'm in uniform. I am in uniform. I am a uniformed peace officer in the state of Florida in the city that he's currently in. Niggas can't fucking park. 
What? Oh, what? shit. Oh. came with that. Hold, hold on. I, and I'm, I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, you know what? You know what? <laughs> I, I got 45 minutes till I start. I ain't even, I ain't even dealing with it. I ain't had coffee. I ain't going to say it. I come out. I come out and I'm walking back. And you already know what it is. Christ 300. Hit <laughs> it as fuck. Ain't peeling the whole nine. Goes rolling by. Fuck you looking at nigga. As I'm just looking at his car. I, I literally, I think I looked at his car for about five seconds. Mind you, my Caucasian partner, my white partner, my best friend, one of my homies is standing right next to me during both of these. Both of these interactions happen within the span of, I swear to God, like less than 10 minutes. And he just looks at me like, bro, are you good? Like, <laughs> you just got the, the whole spectrum going- in five minutes. <laughs> In literally five, less than 10 minutes, man. And I'm, I just looked at him and I was like, you know what? Let's fuck it. Let's just hit the briefing, bro. I got my coffee. I'll, I'll be all right by the time. I'll be all right by the time we get in. I'll be good. This, that's, that's regular. Damn. But like the fact that honestly taking that moment just to be like, damn, this is what it's like on like a daily basis. Yup. Yup. I got to some shit. Say some shit. I'm not telling you to fight my battles. When I got a 10-15 yelling at me, fuck these niggers. South Warhouse again. I'm having boys take care of you. <laughs> Tell his ass shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I, I, will, I will immensely appreciate it. Because you know what? It does not bear the same weight if I tell him to shut the fuck up. It actually mm-hmm. almost sounds like a sign of weakness if I have to. Right. Just back your partners up. Y'all know what that means for everything the fuck else. Whether it means grabbing some paperwork for me, whether it means showing up on a damn traffic stop, whether it means you hear a weird ass call come out and you like, you know what, let me just start rolling that way. Y'all know what that means. Everything the fuck else. Say something. It is very fucking simple. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go through a whole mental fucking list checklist. Let me let me look at this. Let me maybe I should say that. Say something. Say something. So. You know, even with black people, we don't, we're, we're not, we don't all think the same. We all have different opinions on things. So, you know, as far as maybe a white cop listening to a black person or a black cop complain about something, while they may have a different opinion and maybe they don't think that the black cop's claim is valid, just like you said, be there to kind of support them, be there, be there to listen, understand, okay, maybe I might not think like him. Maybe I might not be experiencing the same thing he's experiencing. Maybe I might not be perceiving what he's experiencing mm-hmm, the way he's mm-hmm. experiencing it. But just have an open mind and, you know, say to yourself, maybe his claim is his reality and be there to help him. Like, just taking the example I gave earlier, what I was experiencing, I, you know, I'm thinking I'm stupid and I'm telling my coworkers that they were there to kind of reel me back in and, and, and help me try to figure out what was going on. Even if it was telling me you might, you might be going through some type of prejudice or something. Just be there to listen to your coworker as much as you might not want to believe that prejudice exists. It does. And as much as you want to maybe believe that, you know, they're part of, maybe you got a black coworker that's riding with BLM. You might disagree with it, but it doesn't hurt to understand why they're riding with them. Right. Right. You know, it might just help gain that perspective because I don't, you know, I don't, I mean, I don't really support black lives matter, but, I'm black, so I understand when they say the movement is different than the organization. I understand sure, yeah. all of it, you know. So 
it's just a bigger picture than me. But that doesn't mean my black coworkers. I'm gonna say you, you stupid if you you ride with that. You know, I understand why, and I think it would just help if some you know the white cops kind of just understand why black people or black cops think the way they think. Right. I think uh, uh, just kind of going off of that, you know, ignorance isn't bliss. You know, it helps to know what's going on. And that was kind of my whole idea with coming up with this episode is that, you know, there's just so much stuff going on in the world. And unfortunately, they're really taking race and shoving it down our throat. It seems like every minute. And it, it would help to, to hear, you know, a different side of the story, because it, the, nothing pisses me off more than hearing a newscaster telling me what to think. Um, I'd much more rather hear from, you know, the people that I interact with, the people that I know, and they can tell me, you know, this is why I think this way. So I agree completely. Just being educated and being, um, you know, if you don't understand something or if you want to know more, ask your coworkers, right? We're brothers. We're going to run into a gunfight together. Uh, ask questions. And if it's an uncomfortable conversation, well, good. You know, sometimes that's necessary. Um, just don't be an asshole about it either. Uh, Lamont, what do you think about the, the topic? You know, yeah, man, they, they, these the two guys before me, man, you guys hit it on the head. So I, I'm going to go a little bit of a direction with it. So I would say if you are at an organization where um, we'll role play, I'm a white guy, Pitts is a white guy. Fuckery is the new black guy on our squad. And for whatever reason, Pitts, the white guy, doesn't like fuckery because he's a black guy. Like, dude, why is chief 10-8 hiring all these fucking black people this is just a pr stunt this and that right he obviously is not going to tell that to fuckery he ain't gonna say that to the black man he's gonna tell that to me the neutral white guy who he thinks is sympathetic to his cause and his gripes that he has how can you support your black officers if you have that guy in your organization make shit so uncomfortable for him that he packs his shit and gets out of law enforcement because it's easy to sit there and just be like a, you know, an innocent bystander. Like, oh, yeah, well, I don't agree with you, but I'm not going to say anything about it. I think that could say a little bit more about you than it is about the guy who's actually being blatant with it. Like, you know, why are we hiring all these black people? This is bullshit. Or he only got that promotion because he's black and, and making little snide comments like that. Because, again, maybe there are organizations out there where there are people out there just, you know, fuck these black people working here. I'm not going to back them. I think a lot of it is more subtle. And if you're that third party who's sitting there listening to that person bitch and gripe, the best way you can support your black coworkers is keep by help doing everything you can to get that person out of your organization. Right. And that goes back to what fuckery was saying earlier about like making the races feel as uncomfortable as possible. And then they, they either shut the fuck up or they get the fuck out. And both of yeah. which, both of which are perfectly fine in, in my, my decision. Oh yeah. Cause you got race people great again, 2022. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you know because you have them you have them at different departments whether it be oh we got the, you, these black too many, too many blacks working here women don't belong in law enforcement you know that old guard that we kind of talked about you know just we, we you just got to make life uncomfortable for them to they be like okay obviously things are they this ain't this ain't the good old boy this ain't the good old boy club anymore it's time for me to go yeah it's time for you to go bro mm -hmm. silence is complacency there you go. Silence really violence, is violence, right? Isn't that, isn't that what the saying is? Oh, yeah. Got it. Don't say that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pitts, what, what you got on the topic, man? Man, uh, I'll say that's a tough one. I will say judge uh, your fellow black officers by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. Mm -hmm. I mean, don't treat them no better, no worse. That plain and simple, man. It's like judge me by the fruit I produce in this job, not yeah. what you see walking through the door and the skin tone. 
that simple. And that's, I think that's that's a hundred percent the way it has to be viewed for everybody, everybody. Of every every race, creed, gender, everybody. in this jo- in any job in just life, right? Uh, obviously, I'm sure you guys have seen the shit I got for posting my shit the other day about women cops or whatever. But obviously, <laughs> I was I did not. I, oh, okay, well, I, I got some I, I got some heat for it. But the whole idea <laughs> is like I treat everybody the same, right? Everybody from day one has paid everybody equally exactly has no bearing on me at all and what you do or fail to do will move you up and down on my list and that's that's really how i view everybody it doesn't matter if you're white black hispanic the 14 percent asian male female it doesn't matter (laughs) the the name of the episode is going to be the 14 percent asian with the black cops by the way Um, (laughs) but uh as long as as long as we all agree tiktok cops get shit on i'm yes yeah yeah oh yeah if i find out someone's got a tiktok that's a different story but yeah (laughs) what you do and who you are that matters way more than what you look like or or you know what you're you know, sexual orientation is your religion, anything like that. That doesn't matter to me. Never has never will. So I agree. Um, if you want to support your black coworkers or whatever, uh, how about just treating them as equal? That's a, that's a great start, you know? It is. So, all right. So let's go to the next question. What do we got here? Do you serve the area you grew up in? If so, did it change your perspective of policing? I think the only one that can answer yes to that question is going to be black cop, but we'll go from there. Yeah, I, I definitely patrol. I have patrolled multiple areas I grew up in because I lived in multiple parts of the city and multiple ca- parts of the county. So I patrol multiple areas I've lived in. And it I don't know if it changes my perspective on policing, but it changes my perspective in life in general because I'm seeing kind of where I came from. And, you know, I, when I feel like I can't talk to people, which is, I'm going to say 50% of the time. I can't talk to the people that, you know, grew up in the same place I did. Um, that that says a lot. Like I said um, earlier, when I'm going on calls, getting dispatched to shootings, and you're seeing a Black man laying in the middle of the road, it it's disappointing. It's, it's very disappointing. It makes me not want to be around society. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a reason why I don't want to patrol the area, because when you're seeing something you grew up in kind of fall apart and it probably isn't falling apart. It's probably just maintaining itself. But when you see it and it feels like it's falling apart because you've elevated, elevated, you know, past that, you don't want to see it. And that's kind of where I'm at. I don't want to be in the hood because I don't want to see what's going on in the hood. Because when I see YouTube, when I see Instagram and when I see it in real life, I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm disgusted. You know, some of y'all, we grew up together. There should be no reason why you're still living you know, next door to where you grew up at, you know what I mean? You should be getting past that. And yeah, I just, for me, it's just a different perspective on life and, and on society, but I, I'm still going to police the same way I always do. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, somebody needs to go back. You need to go back and rewind exactly what he said with it's, it's the area of maintaining itself. Mm-hmm. And the little motherfucker from Don't Be a Minister to South Central needs to come out and yell message. Because that's facts. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's facts. It's it's fact because it's true. It's so fucking true. You cannot sit here and put blame on anybody else when you can actually sit back and watch your neighborhood. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. It's not growing with the time. I can say that that is 
an issue that needs to fundamentally come from our community itself first. Yeah. I, and, and I, I feel like that's just society in general too, though. I feel like, you know, society has to change with the times. And I feel like, unfortunately we kind of get stuck in the past or, you know, we don't grow with times and it's, it gets unfortunate and it gets frustrating when it doesn't. And then when you see the product from a different point of view, like black cop is just saying, it's it's kind of disheartening for sure all right yeah i I definitely did not i'm not from louisville so i mean i grew up 45 minutes south so it's louisville was brand new uncharted territory for me man and you know i've lived in some of the areas i patrolled up here and i would never do it again i'm like i don't even live in the state no more i moved across the water Mm -hmm. and probably the best thing i the best decision i ever made was separating myself from where I worked and moving into where I'm not even a cop when I'm off duty here because I don't have arrest powers. So, right. You're in a totally different state. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Need that my dumb ass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, let me live where I used to work. <laughs> right. Lamont, What's you up, live where you work, How right? You doing? No, I'm, I'm about I'm about like 60 miles east, but um, I, I can tell you, miles. I guess, uh, yeah, oh. from where I from where L.A. So I grew up in L.A. and I'm in the area called the Inland Empire out in the I.E. But yeah, I can tell you, this. pay got to be good. Nah, yeah, man, that's a, that's a topic for a different day. for a different day. But uh, I, I'll put it this way: as a sergeant, I went from making you know hourly plus overtime as much overtime as I can handle to lieutenant, and now I'm salary. So, mm. yeah. But anyway, um, growing up in LA, a lot of the gangs um, have. Uh, transplanted out to the Inland Empire. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people aren't familiar where my city is, but a lot of people have heard of San Bernardino. Always makes, or at least for the past couple of years, makes top 10 most violent cities in the nation. Uh, so some of that spills over to, into our neighborhood. So when I come across some of these little youngsters who are claiming, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Hoover's, I'm from you know, all these LA gangs, and I'm like, bro, have you ever even been to LA? <laughs> well, no, but my big cousin's one who put me on, and I'm like, bro. <laughs> Stop it with all That's that nonsense. The state of Florida. Get, that is the man, state of Florida in a nutshell. Get up out of here with all that. But you know, I, again, I never had a, a, a real negative view of police growing up because, again, man, they, they've helped me more than I, I can count uh, growing up, help, trying to better my neighborhood. But what I, what I can say is I, I, I never really understood um, the the – just the lack of cooperation uh, or really appreciated it until I became a detective and I worked detective for a while and eventually became a work some of our cold cases and we have cases sitting on our shelves right now that could be solved if somebody would just come forward and tell me what they know and I know I there's cases where I know I have witnesses and when this whole BLM movement got started, you know, a lot of people think it, it, it got started with the whole anti-police and all that. And that's, that's incorrect. It started with the whole uh, George Zimmerman issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Thank BLM, you, yeah, I was going to say Florida strikes again, but um, Florida man. Uh, <laughs> I went to BLM, our local chapter, and was like, hey, look, I'm trying to drum up some leads on these cases that I know can be solved. Young black kid was killed back in 20, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, back in 2015. 
if I could just get maybe some folks who look like people in that community to walk the streets with me, to drum up some support, to maybe generate some leads, I think we can solve this and bring this mother some justice. Well, are y'all willing to help me out with that? You know, that's really not what our movement is about. And bro, you want to talk about disappointment. So you want to talk about the movement and the organization, the respect for the organization was out the window right there. I, I'll never forget. I'll never forget the day, bro. And I walked away and I said, you know what? Do they really care about black lives? Because this, this was a black man who was killed. And we have very limited info, but it happened in the middle of a apartment complex in the middle of July when I know there's 20 or 30 people out, but no one wants to talk because of all kinds of other issues, but no one wants to come forward and cooperate with the police. Maybe if I have an organization like BLM, Black Lives Matter, man, they're going to come out and maybe they can convince these people to come in and talk to me. And to hear the dude say, and not just him, but his entire board say, oh, bro, that's really not what our organization is about. But it's in your name. What do you mean? That's not what it's about. So anyway, um, as far as changing the way I look, I, I just think I, I gained a, a little bit more of a <clears throat> disappointment and just a, a appreciation for those who do have the courage to come forward and say, even though I still got to live here, hey, man, this is what I saw. And yes, I'm willing to I'm willing to cooperate and testify if I need to, because uh, shit, that takes a lot of fucking courage, man, it, it, knowing that you still got to live in that same neighborhood the very next day knowing that the family who you're testifying against, they're still in the same neighborhood too. So, All right. So the next question I got is from a guy named Jay Jr. 82. I don't know if you guys know this guy or not, but he has, he asked a lot of questions. So the next bunch are going to be him. I got one from uh, Mr. Black Cop's friend. We'll do that one last. He, he knows oh, my one. God. <laughs> well, another question. But um, let me go to this one first. What's the favorite book you've read recently? Uh, so I know jay jr shout out to the rooftop korean my dog all right all right <laughs> he's, he's one of the 14 percent <laughs> uh I, I just got done with uh tim kennedy's new book okay and scars and stripes man that was freaking phenomenal a great read i mean the dude has lived an amazing and incredible life so if anybody out there, man, wants to read a good book, I highly suggest Tim Kennedy's book for sure. Nice. Fuckery? I'd be lying if I said I read a book recently. Um, <laughs> does, does, <laughs> I would be lying my ass off. The only thing I could say, does, does my far aim manual count for uh, updated 2020 for FAA regulations? <laughs> man, that's about it. <laughs> If, I mean, that's if a book. FAA it counts. Regulations and procedures count. That that is about the only book that I have picked up in probably the last three months. Good lord, I've always hated self help books. I swear to God, I've never enjoyed them. I never liked them. David Goggins, I love you, man, but goddamn, I'm not reading that shit. Mm-hmm. Nobody can live their life. Nobody can live their life that intense every day, bro. No, no. <laughs> nobody. I get a hernia broke, just watching his videos, shins. man. I broke my shins and I kept going. <laughs> my feet were done. They were worn into the track. I'm telling you. pissing blood. My kidney <laughs> fell out my ass. <laughs> but I didn't want to be no bitch. 
<laughs> Motherfucker. You know what? You know what? If, if David Goggins, if David Goggins listens to this podcast, I just want to know if he shaves or waxes his head because that thing is too damn smooth. <laughs> I really hope he listens to that. Now I need an answer. I, you know what? I'll send him the episode. What's the worst he's going to do? Ignore it because that's. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, man. Anyone else readers in this group? I'm I'm with I'm there with fuckery man. I'm trying to get my private pilot's license, so I'm been reading the far aim, and I'm, I'm trying to get ready for my private. But um, I, I did just read. Uh, well, no, I mean not lie. I didn't read. I audio booked it. Um, it's a book that called counts. Leading. Yeah, it counts. So it's counts. a book called Leading with Honor by Lee Ellis, and I'm not gonna get into the whole story. But basically, my dude, he was a fighter pilot in Vietnam gets shot down and he becomes a POW and he's sent over to the Hanoi Hotel or Hanoi Hilton is what it's called. He was in there with, you know, John McCain and some of the other names that people know. And it talks about leadership in the most fucked up scenario you can think of. You're a prisoner of war, but there's a whole bunch of tales of leadership from a situation like that. And the, one of the reasons I picked it up was you talk about how do you be a leader in a situation where you have, you know, <laughs> your entire profession being demonized by mainstream media. How do you keep your people motivated to say, come on guys, go out there and do it. People really want you out there. You know, at some point it just becomes lip service. So sure. um, yeah, uh, that's, that's one reason why I picked that one up and, you know, what's that called? Um, I'm going to pick that it's up. called, uh, it's called leading with honor by Lee oh. Ellis. Yeah. It's actually, it's a, it's a pretty good one. He, he reads it himself, man. Get the audio book. It's like five bucks on a, uh, on uh, uh what you call it on fucking I, audible uh, uh no not audible I, I do the books through iphone there you go yeah yeah okay okay yeah i uh okay very cool i i've been uh i got an audible account recently so that's been my uh go-to because i don't have time to read or not even that i don't have the attention span to read but audio yeah, works work so yeah uh black you got anything absolutely not Okay. <laughs> there, hey, there is an old saying in the black community that says, "If you want to hide anything from a Negro, put it, it in, a book. in a book." <laughs> I am guilty. Uh, and uh, and just to, for me to get it, one I've been trying to get through the uh, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules of Life. That's mm. that's just a it's a tough book to get through. That's very long, and he he kind of gets on topics. And I'm like, all right. He's too intelligent, this, bro, for us folks. This this one this one chapter could have been like thirty minutes. We could have been good, but he mm-hmm. just kept going and going, and I lost. I forgot what the chapter was even about. So very <laughs> intelligent, but it, it's it's a lot. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up something else in the meantime, just kind of sprinkle that in there. But all right. Um, next question by Jay Junior. If you weren't policing, what would you be doing? Lamont would be an auto or uh, a pilot now, right? Yep, pilot. <laughs> Pilot. Back hey, two years ago when you were first on my show, you were a train conductor. So you're you're yeah. moving up in the world. Moving up, exactly. But pilot. Black, what about you? I'm actually thinking. I've been asked that question so many times and I still don't know. <laughs> um I'm I'm just I'm trying to start a business now. So I mean I'm trying to open a Black lounge. Top I mean, LLC. I don't know what I'm selling, but <laughs> macaroni and cheese, macaroni and a, a tin pan. If you want a plate, come on, come on over. I probably would. I probably wouldn't mind getting into getting into cooking. I, I can cook pretty decently. All right, all right. What about fuckery? What are you doing? Going back to the club? Money. If 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 money were to get the hell out of here, if money were not the issue, 
uh, I, I would be flying right now. That's for damn sure. But you know what? I, I see half these little TikTok motherfuckers. OnlyFans look like the best pension plan right now. <laughs> Bro, you doing full spread butthole pics on OnlyFans? <laughs> listen, listen. If it means I'm I'm out, do my twenty and out by thirty five. I'm about it. I'm no judgment. <laughs> Bro, did y'all see that female cop in uh, Colorado that started an OnlyFans and she got ended up getting fired, bro? She, yeah, dude, she looked like she, a boy. She, hot dog. she didn't she get fired. Awful. She didn't get fired because she got it's her job back dog. and resigned. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, last last I heard, she she resigned. I thought she got her job back. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, bro, there's an audience I, for anybody. I don't know why, because she when she posted what she made. Shit, I was about to put in my two weeks. <laughs> Mr. Pitts, what about you? Man, you know, I was like black cop, man. I do for years. I, I mean, this is all I've known, but I've I've come to the conclusion that if this thing comes to an end, I'm gonna be the mother freaking postman, dog. You catch me <laughs> walking the mail route, boy. That's what I'm doing. He lied to you. He just mad that Colawan Noir already stole his shot. Black conservative. <laughs> oh, there, that's been gone. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but yeah, no, that, that's what I would do, man. Like, just the, kind of the freedom walking around, uh-huh. like not stuck in an office, dude. That's absolutely. I tell people every day, I'm already retired from the military. I get a check. I don't need to work. I work for the I police because I want to, not because I have to. Mm-hmm. And if y'all make me mad, I'll go put it in no, the post office. Don't, don't try me. Don't try me. <laughs> yeah. Every day, what are the short, short, Every day can be now. a half day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if I could do it all over again, I was kind of. I've been watching like these uh, these trucking videos, like these uh, on the road trucking things, like where they just travel and whatever. I could I could see doing something like that, like just out traveling. And I, I was posed with the question the other day. You know, if, you, if money was an option, what would be your dream job? And I was like, anywhere that I could travel and like eat food, like so, like a travel blogger. That's what I thought. But oh. yeah, maybe one day, maybe one day. I'm yeah, not tied to the job trucks, anymore. Man. Was that my dad, my daddy drives trucks, bro? I mean, I, I went on the road with him when I was young. It was horrible. Yeah, that is a special breed of people that can do that job. I mean, I'm in a patrol if, car if, twelve hours a day, and I hate it. If That's this true. job has made me hate anything. Is being behind the wheel of a car. My man. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's true. I don't care about nothing else by the end of the day. You can ask my <laughs> girlfriend, you can ask my family. If we going anywhere, bet tossing you the keys. That, that's I will get a plane true. ticket to fly five hours, dog. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, my parents getting old, they get nostalgic. Let's go on a road trip. You can go on a road mm-hmm. trip. I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me where we're going. Uh <laughs> Jay Jr. wants to know, does anyone need a book cover photographer? Oh, he's taking shots. <laughs> he, did, he did the so my book, I am Pitts Memoirs of American Patriot. He took that during the protest, actually. It was a nice shot. I was like, that's kind of kind of dope, man. But uh, somebody, uh, one of my new uh one of our new guys was working in our in a new unit with me, took another picture that was dope too, though. So my okay. rooftop Korean got some competition, dog. Oh man, okay. <laughs> I, I I feel like Lamont's like only like a few days away from releasing his book. You you writing a book? <laughs> no, nah, man, I, I'm not that interesting, bro. My my <laughs> book would be a bunch of bullshit. Nobody would be like, what's the? <laughs> nah. Somebody Good mac and cheese recipe though. <laughs> <laughs> what's the wildest moment in your career? I feel like that's the that's the candid question, but go ahead with it. <laughs> 
You ever see a dead body? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all want to see a dead body? In South Central LA. Yes, he did. <laughs> I mean, for me, it would be, um, I mean, obviously the most impactful is when I lost my friend. Uh, I, and I talked about that in a previous episode, but I would mm-hmm. say one of the wildest would be uh, our, our, our terrorist attack here in the IRC, man, that, that was something that hit home. I always sit sit at home and watch these mass shootings and stuff that happen around the country. I'm like, Oh my God, thank God. I work in San Bernardino County and I, you know, that bullshit's going to come here and then boom, it happens. And mm-hmm. what was that around. Christmas? Uh, yeah, that was uh, December 2nd. And, uh, these, the folks were having their little, their, their Christmas party. And, uh, yeah, some people went in there and shot a bunch of people and lost 14 people. But the wildest part about it was um, after they had did what they did and fled the scene, uh, they knew the police were obviously going to respond in force, but they had planted a bunch of uh, IEDs around uh, around the building and they were coming back to set them off. And, and thank God for some fucking warriors, man, picked this car up and the, the chase was on. And uh, that female that was uh, the suspect, I mean, she was, she was down for her man because she grabbed her AR and started shooting out the back window while her man was driving. I mean, real day, Bonnie and Clyde. And uh, that was wild being, being on scene while all that was transpiring and going up and clearing that car. That was just like, it was just fucking surreal is the, is the best way I could describe it. Mm-hmm. Was that 2015? Yes, sir. Yeah, man. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, yeah, that's insane. Uh, I was gonna say something, but I totally lost it. Oh yeah, no, I found I was googling pictures of that um that incident, and I saw your your lanky ass. I was like, oh look, there's the, I know that guy. <laughs> right, right, with my fucking gun belt hanging off my ass, and yeah, bro, that was that was a rough day, bro. I worked graveyard all night, went to court, and then got home, put my head down, and my wife is like, hey, your phone is ringing. I'm like, man, put that show on silent, and then. She's like, nah, you might want to answer this. And dude, I was out there looking. I know I was looking a hot mess. I need, I need, if I do get a photographer, I definitely need a photographer because that was an unflattering photo that they fucking took. <laughs> <laughs> right. Blackout, what about you? Uh, well, you know, my career ain't that long, so I'll go back a couple years. Um, Y'all keep having us follow these veterans. Like, this ain't like <laughs> this shit show. Right, like. <laughs> I remember a, cu- a couple years ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. We had these dumbass kids. Um, I guess one of them got set up by a girl um, and her friends, I guess, whoever they were, um, they came and they robbed the dude at a gas station. Um, we were, you know, interviewing the kids. Retarded. Just so, he's so stupid. Just dumb. And we're like, hey, you know, he's messaging people trying to figure out who this girl he doesn't know is. And they tell him, oh, she stays at some random address that he just made up and we're like, don't try to retaliate. Let us do our job, you know, just leave it alone. So, you know, his friend comes and picks him up and they, you know, supposedly they're going to go home. Um, so we go on throughout the night, we're answering calls, you know, hours and hours and hours pass. And it's like three in the morning and we get a, a shooting call. It's the one down at the bottom of the district is shooting at some, it's a residential neighborhood and they give the the description of the car which was the same car that they left in that we told them don't retaliate so you know obviously we're like hey those are probably our you know robbery suspects so i volunteer to go with someone to go to his house to see if he's home and if we can rule him out get there his car is not there so i'm like all right so i I don't know why i stayed there but i stayed in front of the house and i was just putting something to the computer before i was gonna head out my partner just 
you know, turned the block to leave and I was about to follow and I hear him on the radio. Oh, they're coming in hot. Here they come in there. They're forerunner. And I'm in my little charger. They come speeding down the street and they get right up on my bumper. And, you know, I know they just got done shooting. So, you know, brand new cop. I'm like, oh shit, what do I do? I can't see because, you know, the brakes are on. So I was like, well, I can get out of my car and I can try to draw down, but, you know, the brakes are on. So I don't, can't really see. So I back, I put it in reverse, I back up. They pull up my bumper again. I feel like I'm in a little coffin. Then my partner, he's on the other side of the vehicle, so I'm in a crossfire. So I'm like, do I really get out and try to dress them? Because if I do, I know they just got done shooting. You know, we're going to end up shooting each other. So I throw it in reverse, run over somebody's mailbox, jump out of the car, run across the street, get out of the crossfire. And I just run alongside the houses and get behind someone's SUV for cover, we'll give commands, the kids in and out of the car, grabbing shit, don't know what they're doing. I'm like, oh, I'm about to have to shoot somebody right now. The kids go in and out, in and out of the car. We prone one of them out. The other kid comes, because they're running in and out of the house also, comes out of the house, he says, hey, bro, get up. Kid gets off the ground, goes back in the car, pulls out something, looks like a gun, runs in the house. You know, Everyone shows up, we surround the house, do a call out for 10 minutes. They call every out, everyone out, one by one. Whole families get called out. They all got attitudes. What the fuck are you doing, man? Leave us a fucking alone. Nice-ass neighborhood, too. Hmm. Um, so here comes the rich neighbors. Do you have to park in front of my fucking house? <laughs> Look at what these cops are doing. <laughs> Look at them. Look. So, of course, we're cussing up. Go back in the fucking house before you get arrested. You know, we're doing this thing. So we're calling these kids out. It's, it's a mixed family. They're all mixed. And there's one white boy. Uh, so we're standing behind an oak tree calling them back towards us. And the white boy, you know, he's walking backwards. And then, you know, hey, walk backwards. Keep walking, keep walking. Turn around, stop acting stupid. He wants to get stupid. Partner turns his laser on. He looks down, he sees that laser point at his chest. He fucking complies, obviously. So that goes on for, I don't know, maybe another four hours on scene trying to sort this shit out with all these kids. I don't know what happened after that. That got sent home because it was like nine o'clock in the morning. But I'll say that's probably the wildest for me at least because you know i was in that moment of damn i gotta shoot a kid god i don't want to shoot a kid because i'm gonna go on the news mm-hmm. right <laughs> and, yeah and and they're mixed kids of that terrifying man all right fuckery what about you i know i know a lot of them uh ooh, wow it hasn't been a is man you know where we come from every call is is on the only thing i can think of is probably uh, once again, my former best friend and and, and partner, R.I.P. <laughs> but but not uh, y'all gonna have to fill me in on this after we stop recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we will definitely fill you in on that after uh, we stop recording. Um, <laughs> I'll send you the news. Article. So this, this this is actually a, a lovely lovely breakdown in communication between patrol and specialized youth. This is why secret squirrel channels need. <laughs> oh, it, not not one that I was involved with. Not not you were your your former colleagues. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm 26. Uh huh. There we go. Signal 10, a stolen vehicle from for us running on. This man was doing laps on us all night. Our lovely 108's former supervisor found the car, and specialized units do what they do. They send in patrol to be the bait. That went completely sideways very quickly. You want to talk about uh, what you say about a quarter mile drive up to a to a very open park 
mm-hmm. with zero cover, zero visibility, nothing. This fool throws it in reverse, bitch slaps my partner with a car, tries mm-hmm. to run me over with the car. There was a there was a lovely little exchange on the radio between should we chase it? Should we not chase it? Are we allowed to chase it? Can we chase it? Well, he just hit me and tried to hit hit so and so and tried to run me over. So I mean, I'd be very appreciative if he did. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if we just you know had to arrest this guy. I mean, I would I would feel better about it if you did. Um, crashes the car. Thank God, went through like three fences. Somehow did not hit any houses. And five or six fence hops later and a lovely, lovely, absolutely beautiful dog bite by County. God, those motherfuckers are sadistic. We, we have a lovely little meth head dumbass in custody who then got indicted on some federal charges. So I, I can I can talk about it a little bit just because that fool. I think I'm pretty sure I got the email that he uh, he played out. Hmm. Maybe if, I don't if, know which criminals, story you're talking about, but. Stolen vehicle, meth head stole his dealer's car because he shorted him on some uh, on some meth. Sounds right. Found it. Yeah, ran ran from us. Uh, yeah, so that fool had ag assault Leo, ag bat Leo, fling, and then he he he, he thought it was gonna work if he tried to stab a uh, a, a police dog. That didn't work out in his favor. Mm. <laughs> Never does. Never Damn. does. All right, Pitts, what's your story? Man. God. So this one time my ex-wife called the police on me, right? But that really did happen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, yeah, but uh if I have to go with anything, man, it's all of 2020 and into 2021 with the protests and riots was absolutely berserk, yo. But if I had to pick out one moment, it was the day, I think it was September 27th, 2020, the Brianna Taylor verdict that just came out. Mm-hmm. And they weren't charging any of the officers with um, killing her because they didn't kill her. Well, it wasn't murder. But <laughs> so, you know, the, the city's on edge, man. You can feel the tension in the city. That there's barricades downtown and we get called to Bardstown Road. And my biggest fear in my career was after the Dallas BLM march they had and the guy shot and killed five cops. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my biggest fear was getting caught in the middle of the open in an ambush with nowhere to go. You know, so we're walking down Bardstown Road and we're just surrounded on all sides. I mean, we're outnumbered, man. There's thousands of, I mean, thousands of people out here. If they wanted us dead, they could have killed us all, yo. But I just remember walking down Bardstown Road and I'm just like, man, this is crazy. And the next, you know, we just get this giant scuffle, man. And bro, it's a little, literally, it's a street fight at this point, man. We were just waylaying people. I mean, I made Fox News, the guy I had, I had to turn his face into hamburger meat. Dude had a gun and he wouldn't take his hand off his gun. You know, and so we did with, dealt with that. And we think, you know, we, we think we're done for the day. We get called down to First and Broadway. And as we're getting off of the bus at First and Broadway, I remember walking and we're in an open parking lot. Dude, there's no cover anywhere. And all you hear is cow, 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 gunshots. And I'm dumbass. I'm thinking, who's shooting pepper ball right now? Because I've been hearing pepper balls all day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I'm like, some red's like, hold up, that's gunfire. And I remember pulling the dude in the front of me, grabbing him by the back of his vest and taking cover. And then I just remember seeing two of our officers laying on the ground. And that, that was the that was that moment that it came over the radio. We got officers down. We got officers down. Like, And I just remember them putting those guys in the back of a truck and driving them to the hospital. You know, and then somebody got on the radio, said, hey, 
rumor the protesters are heading to the hospital because I think it was a couple of days before that they had those two officers out in L.A., I believe, that got shot and the protesters went to the hospital and blocked the EMS wagon from getting. Was to that the, the one? Were they the ones that got shot in their car when they were? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, and we thought that was happening, yo. So we're in full gear and we're like, man, probably like three fourths of a mile, maybe a mile over a mile from the hospital, and we're hoofing it in full gear, man. I mean, it's like Black Hawk Down in the movie where they're running out of the city, bro. We're just like trying to get there, and next thing you know, we intercept another group of protesters, man, and then our night pretty much ended from there, and we were taken off the line, but. If I mean, that's probably the most memorable thing I've done in 13 years. And I've done a lot of stuff, bro. But and I'll tell you what, I 2020 changed me. I'll I'll never be the same. I mean, I've learned a lot and I've grown a lot. But at the same time, I'm just like I'm a different person, man. That really changed me. Yeah, I think uh, in the future, you know, when when you told me in the very beginning that you worked for Louisville, I'm going to have to have you on individually and we can talk all about that because it's just crazy i'm sure the things that you have seen and experienced just that story alone is is just wild so i i definitely um for everyone uh that can't see lamont had to leave he had a uh an important work thing that he had to go do so lamont is done for the night but he is far from done with 10 8 because every time i need a the voice of reason he's always going to be uh joined in so uh just wanted to put that out there uh jay jr we're still going with his questions we got a lot uh, he wants Korean. to know if he can be invited to the barbecue. I'm still working on it, my friend. He can only come if his mom cooks that bulgogi and kimchi. Let's be real. That's the okay. only way you come in. That's the only way you come in, Rudy. That's the only way, dog. Short ribs. Just, ah, yes, sir. <laughs> Some yakimandu, my man. You all, you in there. Um, He wants to know. Oh, no, I skipped the question. Uh, what is a problem facing your jurisdiction and how would you remedy things? I don't know if you guys want to go that because it's a little specific, but I might be it. too specific. Yeah, that's pretty specific. Uh, uh, I'll, yeah, that's, I'll go with, yeah, that's difficult. Okay, uh, I mean, I'll say it's not difficult. Maintain retention, maintaining officers, mm-hmm. and that's just that maintaining yeah. officers with experience. That's been the biggest issue we have. I mean, everybody's leaving to smaller surrounding agencies that treat their officers better and make more money. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're not retaining our officers, man. I mean, dude, I remember when I used to go on shift in 2010, we'd have like 15, 16, 17 people. I would have like four people with me on a sector on a beat. And now it's like, dude, we come in. It's like we're a skeleton crew every day. Yeah. And so it's how do we convince people to come do this job? That's an honorable profession. How do we convince them to come here and not just come here for a little bit, but stay, gain experience and feed back into the department? That has been the hardest part. You know, I, everybody talks about recruiting. I'm not recruiting is great, but I want to maintain the experience we have because man, we got, we got squads on our department where the most senior person has three, four years. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That's dangerous. You very, have a bunch of young so. officers. Yeah. Running around and nobody's there to corral them, bro. That's a problem. Yeah. I remember right before I left my agency, I was the most senior guy with six years on. And I was like, no, I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Don't don't come up to me asking me questions. Like that's no no no. Because no. you know, the way we were taught was don't bother the supervisor for nothing. Lean on your senior officers, right? Well, yeah. when the senior officer is not a senior officer, it's like no 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 no. Like when I started, the senior officer on my squad had ten years on. Like that's that's a decent amount, right? But now you've got sergeants and and you know 
not where I work now. It's it's corporals with three years on, you know, and it's like, how, how are you supervising anything? How are you telling me how to do this job? So I agree. I think retention's a big issue. Recruitment's important, obviously, but retention's a big deal because they at least know how to work the city mm-hmm. or county, whatever it might be. Do you guys have anything to add to that? Uh, no, I pretty much agree with what he said. Okay. Okay. Jay Jr. wants to know what's the best chicken around where you're from. It's the one I make. <laughs> I'm I don't like down. eating everybody chicken. <laughs> I'm about to come down and be the judge of that. <laughs> I got you. Uh, so, I mean, here in Louisville, man, we know everybody goes to Indies. Like, nobody in Kentucky goes to KFC. I don't know why people think people in Kentucky eat KFC. Nobody eats that garbage. I go to I will go to freaking Popeyes before I go to KFC. <laughs> but then we but we will, we all know the best place to get chicken in any town is where you find the highest crime rates and where you might become oh, a homicide right, victim. Right. <laughs> like, what else is there to say? Yeah, it's the murder chicken, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna shout out Bon Chan Chicken. Y'all ain't never heard of that. They got it, it up in DC. Bon Chan Korean chicken. Bon Chan. I see JR. There he is. Okay. 14%. The 14% are cool, dog. That Korean chicken, man. The 14% fried chicken. All right. Yeah. If if I wanted a two-piece with some sides, I'm going to Hamptons. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. They might look they might look at you funny if you walk in there and you're black, but the chicken, chicken, chicken. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this next question, uh, another multiple questions uh from just just 10. Uh, she says, how do you deal with racist comments black citizens make towards you? Uh, man, I'll say for huh? me, honestly, I, I just honestly, I laugh at everything, man. I just I literally don't take anything serious. I tell people all the time I've been doing this 13 years. And after 2022, there's nothing you can say to me that's going to offend me and get the response you want. I'm dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I really don't care. You can call me a nigga. I don't care. Literally nothing you can say to me is going to give you the give you the response you want from me i'm just i've been doing this too long man there's no response I, i'll say something stupid like in in reply man i'll make like a smart ass comment honestly on camera and the, you know command will probably watch it black man you can't say that i'll be like i know i can't but i did so mm-hmm. i just literally don't i didn't lie about it exactly you can't find me i ain't lie about it yep. <laughs> there you go what about you guys I don't think I really address uh, it too much i mean i i hear it like you said but i don't really get offended too much i think the, the worst that'll happen is that they're just saying it, you know, getting stupid with it and that they're trying to get that reaction. And if it's, a, you know, a bad day, I might just I might just rag on them a little bit, but I don't really let it bother me too much because at the end of the day, I'm making more money than them. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What about you? I grew up chubby black with glasses in Chicago. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't be alive if I didn't know how to roast somebody. You catch me on the right day, you'll be crying when you leave. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. But when you have you ever been confronted with somebody on duty, you know, another another black person who calls you a sellout or things like that? You guys mentioned earlier, like what does that do to you? Do you feel that way? I mean, obviously you don't, you do the job, but you know, does it take any toll on you mentally or like, do you feel like you're betraying somebody, you know, your culture or things like that? Is anything like that? Man, when I get into my company car and drive out of this city to my very nice house in a very nice part of town and it's the end of the month and I still got money in my account. 
I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I literally, literally don't care. I tell me I literally had the same. I was like, man, you ain't paying my bills or sucking my. I really don't care. Mm-hmm. Do not care what you have to say or about how I'm living my life. Maybe if you followed how I live my life, your life be better. You paying attention to my life because your life ain't that good. It's a, mine's is more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the same page. I mean, it, that coon Uncle Tom, it don't bother me at this point. I mean, it, you, you become numb to it. You hear it so much, and, it, and it's it's just one of those recycled lines. If it's recycled. It's not original, and if it ain't original, I mean, it ain't your own thoughts, which means you can't think for yourself, which means I'm not arguing with you. Even better, I like when a black person calls me a Sambo. That way, I, I at least know he read the book Uncle Tom's Cabin, because that is the <laughs> correct response. And I'm like, hey, bro, thank you for at least reading the book and using the correct insult. <laughs> <laughs> and then they their minds are blown, like, oh, man, he read the book too. We cool, right? Yeah, we good. <laughs> And suddenly you have a new friend and you guys can talk about books or something. Yep. Sell them a book. <laughs> Fuckery, you got anything else to add with that one? I don't think there's anything left to be said, man. All right, cool. It's, it's part, of, part of the day. Yep. Uh, and then Jess has got a second question. She says, any tips for how to best support my boyfriend when these comments are made to him on almost a daily basis? He gets into that door. You know what you need to do, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Put your mind on his and take his <laughs> mind off all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need to delete? No, we're not deleting that. We're no, 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 that's a good one. I'm keeping we that. Delete it. <laughs> you know what? You know what that made no me better think way of? To where, where's, where's, the, where's Oakwood, Capitol Police Officer? I've never been called a nigger while wearing the uniform of it. Uh, you you want to come down here and do a ride along? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I made a meme about that one. Where, where's oh. Boondocks at? Granddad, you said nigga 46 times on Saturday. Right. <laughs> no, nah, man. Honestly, I tell people, like my wife, man, we don't, I typically, she knows I've had a hard day. Man, she like, she takes the load off of me. I don't have to do anything. But man, I, that's why I tell people, you have to learn to separate yourself from the job. It's taken me 13 years to do that. Man, take them out. Go, I mean, go get something to eat. Keep your routine going that's outside of the job. That's going to be the best thing you can do to help support him. That's it. It's that simple. You know, hey, if he wants to talk about it, let him talk about it. If you don't want to talk about it, don't force him to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. When they're ready, they will. I, yep. That's, that's, that's fact. My girlfriend is, she's had to unfortunately learn very quickly because we just had a lot of, 2021 was a very shit year for, for, for me and 10, eight, man. So she had to learn to adjust very quickly when she did a fantastic job. You just got to be there. Just be there and wait. Somebody Some days it'll be great. Some days it'll be terrible. That pit bull hungry. <laughs> Feed that dude some macaroni, man. <laughs> she, she, nah, she's just being a butthole right now. That's her problem. <laughs> she's like, dad, let me she's out. Spoiled. She's spoiled. Super spoiled. Two and a half hours, man. Enough's enough. You said enough. <laughs> Give 10 8 his invites to the barbecue and let's go. I gotta go to bed. <laughs> All right. And then the last question we got for you guys tonight. <laughs> this one is a uh, this is a black cop special right here. We got someone wanting to know what y'all's average eggplant emoji size. And we know that black cop sits at 9.5 inches asking for a friend. 
<laughs> this is let what me, happens when you share the question bro. box to your people, man. Let me address. Let me address this. <laughs> Everyone, I, I want to give you his name because I want y'all to go on his page and report him for sexual harassment and get his page banned. <laughs> but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just say this fat bitch will never comment again because he, he just started a prank war. So we we got we got some I got something for him. <laughs> Man, he hoping he hoping you gonna hop on that OnlyFans train, bro. <laughs> we just we gonna play the we gonna play the wait game for the for the prank war. Man, that, those are the worst, man. When you forget that there was even a prank war, and then suddenly you get hit with it. Yeah, that, that's what's about to happen. Yep. He got a wedding coming up. He got a wedding coming up too. Nah. Don't let him don't let him lie to you. He got screenshots to prove black cop being MDMs. <laughs> <laughs> he gonna out him, bro. Jeez. Nice. I think, we, I think we can all agree in the summertime that humidity helps with those extra inches, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't got nothing to hide. A strong 5.5. <laughs> that's what that's what we're gonna go with. I got a strong five point five. Nice, nice. All right, fellas. This is uh this is kind of all I got for you tonight. I think we talked about a lot. I think we got a lot hashed out. Uh unfortunately, we had uh we had a few cancellations. That's perfectly okay. I think we're gonna probably have to reconvene because I'm I'm really I'm hoping that this sparks a conversation. People want to hear more and they can kind of tell us more. Um about what they want to hear and things like that. That being said, uh, I'm going to go ahead and turn the radio or turn the microphones back to you guys, let you guys kind of close out, say your final, you know, anything you want to, you want to say at the, in closing, we will start with black cop. Go ahead and you got it, man. Do, do you think? I know some people when they heard that you were going to do this episode about black cops automatically got turned off and said, you know, ain't, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to listen to anything that has to do with race. So if you manage to sit through this and listen and just learn and possibly ask for a part two, I think that's good on you. Um, not every conversation with black people has to be, you know, degrading to white people. It could just be this black people talking, just talking, just expressing issues, just expressing problems and things that are going good in life also. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully we could do this again at a good time, but you know, race does not have to be a taboo topic. We can't talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the whole point. You know, it's at the end of the day, we're all just people. And uh, at, at the very end, at the very least, you know, learn about different upbringings and things like that. You know, like I didn't know, you know, your story. I didn't know Dexter's story. I know, I know, fuckery story i don't care about that anymore but <laughs> um no you but new black exactly. friends <laughs> yeah exactly i, I needed two more that's all. <laughs> if i if i get one more i get a free snow cone man that's what i got the punch card um no nah, but for real I, I i agree completely uh fuckery go ahead with your clothes now. oh wait and uh black cops where do we find you oh at black cop on instagram i'll make some other socials some other time but i'm only on instagram perfect uh fuckery go ahead give your closing out um black cop hit her on hit the nail on the head every every conversation about race doesn't need to be confrontational it doesn't need to be aggressive this is, is a very calm environment i know white people love that that's why they love the, the state farm dude for so many years 
calm black voice always <laughs> always weathers the storm. <laughs> um, if I can leave with anything, I, I know you get a lot of explorers, a lot of people on here. Tell your friends, look at this. Uh, one thing we touched on today for sure, be the change you want to see. I know, I don't know how many, how many students I run across that have nothing but negatives to say about law enforcement. And then they tell me, yeah, but I'm studying criminal justice. What the hell are you plan on doing there? Um, be the change you want to be, dog. Is is very simple. You you want to you, you want to have a police department that's for you, by you, whatever. Okay, cool. Who's gonna do it? Change comes from within, man. Uh, go out there and apply. We definitely need the help. Um, you guys can find me at at the fuckery. That's the two e's fuckery. I e. I'm usually making fun of ten eight when I when I get the time to get on. And that's uh, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And uh keep an eye out because this August we're gonna be going back to the golf course again. We've, maybe uh maybe you won't be late this time. I don't know, but uh we'll be he's we'll allowed be 15 that. minutes, dog. He's allowed That's 15 true. minutes. Man, this guy hit me up on the <laughs> back nine. Period. He hit like three holes. That was all it was last time. <laughs> and them three holes is best holes of the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. You, you still outshot me too bad. Um, all right, cool man. Nice. What's that? Tiger Hoods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, but for real, though, thank you for chatting. Always a pleasure. See you soon. And we will end with the seasoned vet, Mr. Dexter Pitts. And I will say, you know, after doing this for 13 years, the job has definitely changed a lot. But I still love this job. I love this profession. I love police officers. I don't wear, care what part of the country you come from, what color you are. I love this profession and the job is not dead. Some people say it is the job is definitely not dead because the constitution is not dead. Evil is not dead. And so long as there's evil that walks this earth and there's racist people, there will always be a need for police officers. So I encourage anyone that wants to do the job to sign up and do it. But also remember getting into this, do not lose your humanity and do not lose who you are. Because this job will suck your soul out of you. It will take a lot from you and you will lose yourself. And it's easy to do. I've done it. Everybody's done it. But just keep sight of when you sign up to do this job, why you do it. And also, like we've done on here tonight, learn to laugh. Dude. Don't take life so serious, man. It's, dude, life is already hard enough, especially when you get into this profession. Dude, learn to laugh. Learn to laugh about our differences, black, white, whatever. Man, if hey, if you need a good laugh, go watch Blazing Saddles. That's the way it yeah. is to be between us, bro. I'm just saying, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just we just can't take things so serious anymore. And everything, like they said, doesn't have to be a super serious conversation about race. So just learn to laugh with your peeps, man. That's plain and simple, man. So, and also with that, uh, like I said, you can follow me on I am Pitts One on Instagram. I'm a boomer, y'all. So forgive me. I'm 38 years old. I'm still learning all this in social media stuff, man. So. As I got that, I have IamPits.com where you can buy a copy of my book, I Am Pits Memoirs of the American Patriot. And I tell people if you want to sign an autographed copy from me, and everybody's like, who are you? Why should I want to sign a copy from you? Help me feed my poor black family. That's why. On a cop salary. <laughs> gotta get the plug in. Gotta get the plug in. <laughs> That's why. That's if you don't buy my great. book, you're racist. I'm just saying. Tell people, man, if you want to sign a copy from me, just hit me up at IamPits at Yahoo.com. 
And also I have the Facebook, I Am Pitts Memoirs of an American Patriot. And I also run the podcast, the I Am Pitts Podcast. You can listen to that on all your favorite podcast apps. So like I say, man, I'm working on getting better every day. So I'm all self-taught, man. Maybe these young cats, these young Thundercats in here can teach me some stuff about social media because I don't know what the hell I'm doing, man. I'm just winging it. (laughs) Nice. Very good, man. All right, guys, that was the episode. Hopefully you enjoyed it. If you did, if you want to hear more, let me know. And we'll have these guys back on very, very soon. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. Lamont, next time you can't be late and you can't leave early. But uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Everyone stay tuned. We will close the show in just a moment. We'll be right back. Hey, everything be like off the top these days. Like these we days, I don't even know, know what a pad is these days. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck that hoe, cause she a net net. You ain't the one for me, baby. You ain't got shit I need, bitch. You want me to take my time with you, or maybe I'm not your speed, bitch. Maybe I'm not your lead, bitch. You ain't got no cheese, bitch. Maybe I'm just too G for you, maybe I'm just too screed, bitch. I can eat rolling pee, why? Everybody notice me, yeah. I can even go to sleep, why? I'm rolling on the beam, yeah. They tried to give me eight. Alright, guys, that's it. That's the episode today. We were approaching three hours so i'm not gonna sit around and chat too much longer but big thank you to all my guests go check them out absolutely amazing if you like the show rate review subscribe share with your buddies listen this episode specifically i think this one needs to get around it really needs to be shared people need to listen to it i think a lot is uh is talked about and a lot of people need to hear it all that being said guys thank you so much for joining us check out the merch store 10 i'm sorry 10-8 memes.ecwid Dot com so 108memes.equid.com uh buy some shirts buy a cup buy a koozie buy a whole bunch of stuff i'd really appreciate it um we've got new stuff coming out when we go on our break we're going to be pushing out a bunch of merch to kind of tide you guys over uh the 108 uh drinkware for drunk cops and things like that speaking of which next week we are it's actually going to be our last episode before the drunk cops summer jam season finale uh, it's going to be surviving the shooting with my buddy, Josh. He's an instructor with Tripwire solutions. Uh, we had some scheduling things come up where I'm going to have him on. And, uh, the second part of I survived with the Stoneman Douglas shooting, that's going to get pushed to season three and then, uh, heroed out. That's going to get pushed as well. So, um, had to move some things around and I, I needed to have a bye week So we have the shooting, uh, surviving the shooting next week. Then we have a bye week So it's just going to be a week off so I can focus on editing. And then, uh, we're going to have drunk cops, Jersey boy edition. So it's going to be drunk cops, summer jam part one the Jersey boys. And then uh, we're going to roll from there and wrap up the season that way, guys. So all that being said, thank you so much for joining us. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Stay safe. And we will see you next week for the quasi season finale of the 10, eight podcast. Everyone take care of each other. We'll see you next week. 10, eight out.
Elliot Ness The track hits your eardrum like a slug to your chest Like a vest for your Jimmy in the city of sex We in that sunshine state where the bomb ass him be The state where you never find a dance floor empty And pimps be on a mission for them greens Lean mean money making machines serving fiends I've been in the game for 10 years making rap tunes Ever since honeys was wearing Sassoon Now it's 95 and they clock me and watch me diamond shining Looking like a Rob Liberace It's all good from Diego to the Bay Your city is the bomb if your city making pain Throw up a finger if you feel the same way Straight putting it down for California, yeah Sacramento, where you at? 